Robots, retcons, and revenge. Welcome to another episode of Marvel vs. Marvel, the podcast where a Marvel comic book fan is incessantly quizzed by someone who has never, ever read a Marvel comic in his life, but is a big, big fan of the Marvel movies and the characters. And together we go through on a journey. We use the existing Marvel movie to go on a journey where we explore the rich characters, stories and history of Marvel comic books. Hello and welcome to the episode. My name is Rob Holden, comedian, writer and the Marvel expert part of the equation. And I'm joined as ever on the podcast by the man who makes it all possible through the power of his ignorance. It's Mr. Will Preston. Hiya, Will. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, got the power of my ignorance after reading a radioactive copy of the Daily Mail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bitten by radioactive ignorant people <laughs> and transformed him into the powerhouse of ignorance that you hear before you on this very day right now the, the most ignorant man in all the land that i know will and I, I hope you take that as a compliment that's how it's meant well it's my strength it's my superpower at this point isn't it so it's within canon isn't it within canon Let's not push people out too early. We'll save the inside references for a little bit deeper into the uh, into the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're so so pleased that you're still with us on this journey um, because we've got so many big things coming up and planned. We keep doing so many awesome things. This journey keeps weaving and winding. We began with Iron Man 2008, the start of the MCU. We completed all of phase one of the marvel cinematic universe mm. and then we we've been doing some detours we, we we we've gone all over the place we've gone and look at the marvel films that existed before the mcu we've we've tackled blade we've tackled the first spider-man the first x-men films just recently we've done the fantastic four which are some Ooh, of the yes. very first marvel characters ever that came about in the 1960s we got to play with ben affleck's daredevil um, in the uh, in our very last episode, and now today in this episode, we return to the MCU, and we close out Phase Two. Will as we take a look at the Avengers sequel, Age of Ultron. Um, I'm excited. Are you excited? I have to admit, I am pretty excited. It was a pleasure, a genuine pleasure, watching this film again. It's fun to uh, play around outside the MCU, mm. but there's always something a little bit, uh, a little bit special about going back to it. I feel, yeah, because um, I think that's that's where a lot of people really discovered their joy for for Marvel for Marvel characters, which is um, what we are all about here. Before we kick off, Will, mm-hmm. you are putting out content left, right, and centre, <laughs> mate. Left, right, and centre, much more than me. Um, what have you been up to this week? You've got the Twitch feed twitching. Um, I, uh, what have you been doing? What have you been playing? I, uh, I've started playing Red Dead Redemption 2 again for the purposes of Twitch. Oh, God. I know. Right. I, I wanted to Before mention we get into- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 would you, would you consider me a gamer, Will? Uh, when I was surprised when you mentioned you pl- had a, had a console, <laughs> let alone played Red Dead Redemption two. I yeah. still, since lockdown, I still have not touched my PlayStation Four. Oh, um, shame, 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 and, on you. and and I, 
I heard all these great things about Red Dead Redemption, and people kept telling me it's like GTA, but in the Wild West. And I, I have deeply fond Horse. memories of Vice, Grand Theft of Horse. Vice City. So, <laughs> yeah, I got myself that Red Dead Redemption too, the new one. The red, well, not new, but it was it was newish. It was the second one. I sat yeah. down to play it, and I kept messaging you, didn't I? <laughs> what, I've been playing this for for like four hours. Nothing's happened. I today I, yeah. I got to look for oat cakes and I didn't find any. And then I'm about to do another <laughs> fifteen minute ride through snow where nothing happens. Okay, okay. I've played it through. It's a long game, but the first few hours are incredibly boring. But when you know there's good stuff down the road. You, it, it is a you do you do no, savor it a lot more. No, no, trust me, it gets really I, I, good. I ain't got, <laughs> but it's I ain't got time spot. for it. I took it back to the shop, I swapped <laughs> it, and I got myself uh, the Mortal Kombat versus uh, no, 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 the Mortal Kombat v- style DC fighting yeah. game, Injustice. In- I got Injustice, Injustice. I and I, that. I played that, that and that was that was short, and it was a it was so it had a really good story, good. The cutscenes were really exciting. I wanted to watch them, and yeah. then there was loads of fighting. It was great. I enjoyed it brilliantly. That was much a much better spend of money in the second end shop. It's the it's the opposite of Red Dead Redemption Two. But I've been playing it again and just doing hunting and stuff, and it's been quite funny. Apart from the time I was chasing a deer, the deer ran into the path of some people uh, walking along, you know, uh, on their horses, and then I aimed a bow and arrow at the deer, but the deer was in in front of the people. So the people thought I was aiming at oh. them, and then they chased me with guns oh. and killed me. Oh no! Was, um, did you not? Yeah. Did you not explain to them you're just a humble hunter? I couldn't. They they were too busy. The bloodlust was going. The bloodlust was flowing. They, <laughs> you know, at that point, you know, the day was boring. The game's boring. They want to. They want to kill someone. <laughs> Where can we find you if we want to watch you on Twitch? How okay. do we go about doing that, Will? Well, my schedule's all over the place. Usually, I, I do it two or three times a week. Usually, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But I switch around sometimes uh, the weekend at twelve p.m. or if it's during the week at six p.m. But you can find me at www.twitch.tv/willpreston87. So yeah, and if we want to get announcements me. about when you're playing, we should probably follow you on the Twitter, shouldn't we? Follow me on Twitter. Well, oh yeah, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Will Preston. I'm really happy I got that one. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, numbers at the end, and yeah, I'm the same. My name's my name's bizarre. No one else has my name. Um, <laughs> well, Will, it, what lays before us is um, Age of Ultron today. Our return to the to the MCU and the first Avengers movie since the one that really started us to look at the money. It was it was Oof. after that first billion dollar. Avengers movie that we said right what we need to do now now the MCU has crossed over from being uh, maybe something that's a bit niche yeah and maybe a few good blockbusters in there with the Avengers movie that people went back to see again and again and again and became a billion dollar uh movie it it, it transformed the MCU and and that was the point where for all of phase 2 we've been going back and looking what does the money tell us? What are we seeing from this? And you've got the stats. You're the statistician of the team. What can you tell us about Age of Ultron when it comes to the dollars and the cents? Well, Age of Ultron 
Should we? Which one should we do first? Should I do Avengers Assemble first, just to give a bit of run up? Yeah, to it? it's a good idea. Okay, so the Avengers Assemble that came out two thousand twelve, wasn't it? Two thousand twelve that came out. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. that uh, the budget for that was two hundred twenty million, and the box very office, modest. It's pretty extremely modest for a Marvel film these days, uh, and the box office was one point five one nine billion dollars. So, I mean, that really is a game changer, isn't it? That, I mean, that really shows you the importance of these films. How about Age of Ultron? Uh, Age of Ultron uh, spent a bit more, got a bit less back, uh, which, which was sad. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe the peak had passed. But anyway, the budget on that was 444 to 495.2 million gross, uh, 365.5 million net. But uh, the box office was 1.403 billion. So, I mean, it... It passed the rule. It got it, it got over the line of three times its worth, but no, but slightly less mm. than the previous Avengers film, which I'm a bit confused about. So I thought there would be a snowball effect with this, or maybe Avengers hit that glass ceiling. You might, you might, you might be right in terms yeah. of that that glass ceiling. We talked about this before in terms of how much can. Um, how much can these movies possibly make? Yeah, when they are in front of a you know a similar a similar audience in similar parts of the world. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's very interesting to see um, the different things that impacted as well. We they, mm. they we we kept with uh, the same cast, so you're not adding brand new stars to the mix. To you know, perhaps attract more people to the to the box office. Um, one interesting note about this one is that the opening weekend is sort of alleged to be dented in America by a huge boxing match. Uh, the the, the <laughs> Mayweather Pacquiao, which was like the biggest pay per view fight of all time. Mm. That was that weekend and they do reckon that had some sort of significant impact on on opening weekend. Anyway, it doesn't stop anyone from going on a Monday or Tuesday or the next week, but there's a, a real a, a real um belief so, that the opening weekend was yeah. dented by Floyd Money Mayweather. I would say some people uh, might might have only be able to afford one and they went Okay, I'm going to have to yeah, do a absolutely. boxing match because that's a once in a lifetime. I can always get this one on DVD. So that's fair enough. That actually makes a lot of sense. I never figure uh, external occurrences like that. But yeah, anyway, that's the, that's the numbers for that. Interesting numbers. We, we have a saying in the, in the wrestling world, uh, mm. which is that um, <laughs> there's a sale on at the gas station down the road. I mean, it's an American saying, but it's when you come up with all these excuses for why you, your show didn't make money. <laughs> there's always something there's always a sale yeah. there's always a sale on at the petrol station or the gas station down the road half off hot dogs that's why people didn't t- listen if you've got something that people want to see they'll come and see it and if you don't you don't yeah um so it is uh, you, t- you do look at that and think well why couldn't this movie have cost a little bit more than 220 but it didn't need to cost you know another another 200 million did it yeah, it's. I don't know. Well, let me think about the location. They okay. They obviously used New York. 
uh, for like one bit. South Africa. South, yeah. No, in the previous one they use New York, but in this one they use South Africa. They use a Eastern European town uh, and other places. Obviously, they reuse it for when they're storming the, the, the bases and everything. I think there's a lot and- more going on in this one, so that could have been why. Yeah, the cast the cast is bigger. The, like the mm-hmm. human cast. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of stunt actors and CGI. I mean, there's a lot of CGI robots and stuff, but there's not a. And there's, the, the cast is big. We've got antagonists, a lot more protagonists, and all of that going on. So, um, mm. can see it, and we get the return of Mr. Joss Whedon to uh, to the Marvel movies. We do someone who's not so much in favor these days, but eats. Uh, he, he has done some good stuff. I, I recently, uh, as, uh, as we were talking about before the podcast, I finally watched all of Firefly and Serenity, uh, and I was I was pleased. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Firefly is really, really special, as most people who most people do. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah I can totally so. see why 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 the hype for it is still strong. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I think his script his script writing is 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 really superb, um, mm. and kind of always has been really. Um, and did you know that he has had a foray into writing Marvel comic books? That does not surprise me. That does not surprise me at all. He didn't know about it, but does not surprise <clears> me. He uh, wrote a comic book series called Astonishing X Men, which is a really really great series. Yeah, mm. um, he obviously had a big love of the of the of the of the characters. And uh, after Kevin Smith opened the doors for people in Hollywood to get on board, um, Joss was one of the first they they kind of went to and 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 came back and really delivered a, a, a tremendous tremendous comic book series for them. Mm. But that's the X Men, and that's not why we're here today. <laughs> Let's have a little think about where we are in the comic book world in terms of publication with. These characters, new and old, in Age of Ultron, mm. um, there's a lot of talk. We we had some of this in some of our comments and messages. People bizarrely saying mm. <laughs> that this did not adapt the Age of Ultron comic book like it should have done, uh, and and that's that's a little bit odd. There is a comic book series in 2013 from Marvel called Avengers Age of well, called Age of Ultron. It's a big crossover comic book event. But it has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with this movie. And they were quite clear from the offset, we're just taking the name. Yeah, we think it's yeah. a good name. We're using Ultron. This is a good name for something that uses Ultron. We're just taking the name. They And, and as soon as the, the you know little bits of the trailers came out, it's clear to anyone who's read that comic that that they just took the name. There's no. There's going to be nothing from that comic book adapted to it, really. Um, Age of Ultron is, is this... Um, it's trying to be the Avengers version of a very, very popular 1990s X-Men event called mm. Age of Apocalypse. Ah, um, yes. Which is really, really good and is, mm. and, is, and is very broad and big and sweeping and it goes places and it's, it's really exciting. Um, Age of Ultron, it was like a 2013 kind of attempt to do that. There's time travel, there's alternate dimensions, but overall, it's a very underwhelming story. Um, it's one of those stories where as soon as you see all the major, like a whole bunch of major characters have died and the world's been overtaken, you go, 
well, this is going to involve time travel, isn't it? And then, <laughs> lo and behold, time travel arrives in the story, and you go, oh, right, well, time travel's here, yeah. so nothing really matters anymore because all of this is going to get undone and reset. And so you keep reading, and you get to the end, and lo and behold, everything gets undone and reset. And you think, yeah. I could have taken that, not read it, and nothing would have changed. And And sadly... Whilst there are some similarities with Age of Apocalypse, where something like that does happen, it just, the middle bit just wasn't worthwhile enough. It wasn't inventive mm. enough. It wasn't fresh and exciting enough, um, and so it, it really falls down um, as as a story event. That, that reminds me when movie... I went to. Oh, sorry, I was about to say. It reminds me when I went to. See, no, no. Obviously, we'll talk about this more when we cover it. When I went to see uh, Infinity Wars with the uh, with with the, with the misses. Uh, we both came out drained, obviously, because of the ending. But after walking down the street, I, I was just like, well, it's obviously going to be time travel next, isn't it? <laughs> it's obviously going to be time travel. But, and not to, yeah, but that, but again, you, yeah. but in a way that you figured it would all get undone, which is not what happened. Yeah, but I let's leave that until we get there. Surprised, but yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll leave it um, for another time. This movie is really all about new characters. Mm. Uh, Wanda and Pietro, who Stanley and, and Jack Kirby created, but probably more importantly, Ultron and Vision um, mm. are, are kind of the beating heart of this movie. And, and they were created by the man who took over from Stanley in a number of comics, and eventually, in terms of being the publisher of the company, uh, Roy Thomas. Mm. Roy Thomas was a comic book super fan who ran a fanzine in the 1960s a fan magazine that was that was put together by fans uh written by fans mailed out across the country to fans and it generally printed fan letters fan essays their thoughts on comic books and superheroes um it, it's an, a very early form of the internet and we, we we have a one of our one of our the, the very first person to sign up to our Patreon, Peter J, who is um, a a massive fan of fanzines in all their form, really, and I believe he has a collection of fanzines, um, and and he does talk about how they are this early form of of the internet, and if it's a very slow way of communicating, but it's the nineteen sixties, there's no other way of doing it. And these fanzines would sometimes include interviews with writers and artists. Roy, Roy Thomas um, got a job working at DC Comics as an assistant editor, which is a pretty great job, but he was absolutely miserable there. He really hated DC. Um, and so one day he wrote a letter to Stan Lee, and he's like, I don't know if you remember me from this fanzine I used to do. Really love the stuff you're doing. Hey, maybe we should go for a drink sometime. And that led to him being uh, offered what was at the time what became really uh, the legendary Marvel writing test and the Marvel writing test is you get sent blank pages of one of Jack Kirby's work from Fantastic Four and your job is to write the dialogue around around the the pages that you've been given because we talked about the Marvel method in the in the Fantastic Four episode in the Marvel method of writing, Stan Lee would, would come up with an outline of the plot, mm. send it to Jack Kirby. Kirby would then draw and he would break down the entire the entire <laughs> plot, 
beat by beat, page by page, panel by panel, draw the whole thing, send it back to Stan, and Stan as the writer would then write all the dialogue, all the captions, and, and tie it all together. So that the, the Marvel writing test was you get sent the 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 pages of artwork with no dialogue and your job is to write dialogue that will make it into a great issue um and roy thomas passed that test and and got hired as like a junior staff writer at at marvel offices um but it it wasn't long before everyone at marvel offices realized that this this kid this well he's not a kid but this fan this in his early twenties knew more about the Marvel universe than anyone who worked at Marvel did, <laughs> and he was constantly being asked by other editors and writers about the continuity of the characters. Oh, what what happened to Iron Man in that issue? Wait, where where did um where did Hulk get that thing from? Like, on a, what what does so and so's powers really do? And everyone would come to Roy Thomas to ask them about it because he was the guy who was such a fan that he knew it all. So before long, he was promoted. He worked his way up in terms of being an assistant editor, and then he started um, writing for for Marvel. And he he wrote it all. Um, Nick Fury, Doctor Strange. He wrote the X Men um, right into the as as they started to really fall apart and kind of die off and not be terribly popular. But he was the one writing it. He was very very fond of Doctor Strange. Did some really new interesting things with him. But he really found his mark when he took over the Avengers in 1966. Um, not too, not too, you know, the, the Avengers mm. have not been along for, for very, just like three, three, four years. Um, Thomas maintained Stanley's commitment to telling these really personal character stories, which we'll see when we, when we talk about the vision later on. Mm. But also mixing these personal psychological wrought tales with huge science fiction you know stories we get the creation of ultron we get the creation of vision the war between the scrolls and the kree and how that drags the fantastic four the the avengers sorry into space for the first time Mm. um and and he also introduced details which would form part of the avengers stories for decades to come like that things that if you talk to any Avengers fan, this will feature in their fondest memories. He he moved the team to a mansion that Tony Stark had in Manhattan, which becomes Avengers Mansion, which is the basis of the... They don't live in Stark Tower for the majority of their comic book run. They live in this really big, nice mansion. Yeah. Um, and they all live there together. They they live together. Thomas kind of introduced that. It wasn't it wasn't so much that they come in and do a job and leave. You know, suddenly they all live together because of a change in the lineup. He introduced their Avengers faithful butler, the, the fifth Beatle, Edwin Jarvis, who is, you know, Tony Stark's uh, butler, who of course is the inspiration for the Jarvis computer program that runs his things in the movies, his armors. He introduced the, the Quinjets that the Avengers um drive around in uh, you know the the those are three like you, you wouldn't there's no stories about just them but their shading and their coloring which which feature a huge amount of, of, of fondness in fans um and i think it's the the shift in focus of, of this kind of era i mean stanley does certainly start it when he changes the lineup but 
Roy Thomas carries this on with the introduction of Vision and things like that and mm. putting a lot of character development into Vision. It, they de-emphasise Thor, Iron Man and Hulk, who are the characters that sold that first two issues, three issues. They're not the stars anymore. Now it, it, the focus is on Captain America, Hawkeye, Vision, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch. That's who the team starts to be built around. And, and that, I think is what's birthed it to this movie that we're about to take a look at today. Um, but before we do that, we do want to give a shout-out to the people that support us the most over on Patreon, where there's even more content of Marvel versus Marvel. Um, we put out a full-length bonus episode just last week, Will, and we talked oh. about Daredevil's secret identity... Man, that was fun, wasn't it? I, I tell you what, the be- I think the best uh, bonus episode we did was the uh, was Superior Spider Man, but this yeah. one, this one, was close. That was it was it was it was up yeah. to that standard, and I really enjoyed. Do- I'm not saying that because I want people to go on the Patreon. I genuinely <laughs> enjoyed doing that one. It felt like its own episode, own regular episode in its own right. It was it was great. The, the the full length bonus ones are so much fun. We don't have, as we like to say, uh, <laughs> Daddy Apple and Mommy Spotify breathing down our necks. We tend to move away from from a uh, a movie or TV project, and we we like to drill deep, don't we? We like yeah. to drill deep and expand on something from an episode that we don't necessarily have the time to get into and real really flesh out a comic book story. And they're they're you know they're they're proper full length. Uh, bonus episodes we've got a bunch of them up there on the patreon we've got mini episodes up there on the patreon lots of different ways you can uh, join us support mm-hmm. us because doing this podcast is not free oh no uh, it costs us cheddar 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 and that's why we need it to flow in from our wonderful super fans out there um and and in turn we show all the love back with 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 bonus episodes um with the ability to pick an episode of us to cover in the future hey if you've got um a favorite marvel project that's not mcu that you want us to do a cartoon a tv show a movie if you become a, a patron on patreon then you can make us do that and we've had a lot of people threaten us with, <laughs> with projects that they know we don't want to cover how the ducks been <laughs> been threatened a couple of times um, yeah. some of the worst punisher movies have been have been threatened and um there's there's some there's a lot floating around that that you could do and as long as you're a member of of the patreon as long as you head to patreon.com p a t r e o n slash marvel versus marvel sign up on any of the tiers we've got available there you can get in touch drop us a message first of all we'll we, we want to hear from you we want to speak to you we love that patreon's the way to ensure you get your message heard on the episode it's also the way you get to pick something for the future um, you get early access to our episodes they drop to the general public on a monday but our uh, our special early access members and our VIP members, they get that on a Friday. And they get all weekend to spend with us. Uh, and there's all the bonus episodes as well. Bonus episodes so far, we've got that wonderful one spinning out of Guardians of the Galaxy. Where we delve into what's called the Annihilation Wars. And explain how these these Guardians characters came together from for, for the first time from nowhere. 
We've got this one on the superior mm. Spider-Man saga, Dr. Octopus's finest moment. That was a hell of a lot of fun. And then spinning out of the Daredevil episode, we've uh, we've taken a look at the times when Daredevil's identity has been compromised. The darkest times. You know, I, 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 I think I stand by the idea that, that that Daredevil movie is the darkest superhero film we've looked at and maybe the yep. darkest Marvel film ever made. I mean, there is some very violent Punisher films, but yeah. there's something darker about a superhero going to those lengths. And spinning out of that, we talked about two of the darkest times Matt Murdock has ever, ever had. Yeah, um, he gets insane. And that was a hell of a lot of fun. Um a hell of a lot of fun. Mm. But we've got something uh, really, really, really exciting to announce, um, which we've been working on for uh, a couple of weeks now. We, we say it in every episode, Will, <laughs> and we say it again and again. We are all about welcoming as many people into the Marvel Universe as possible. Yes. We're, we're, we're proudly no gatekeeping hashtag no gatekeeping no gatekeeping and, and and we're passionate we're passionate about helping you movie fans out there to start reading marvel comics and that's why we've partnered up with nash comics an independent comic book shop and the perfect place for you guys to begin your marvel journey they've got a great selection of marvel comic books for all ages as well as the best selection of mainstream and independent collections and graphic novels. That's when you get a full, complete story in one collective trade. We recommend comic books on every episode, but we really... What happened is, as we started to recommend these comic books, we both started to get unhappy with what that might mean. Because we really, really do not want you to use Amazon. And we started to say that. Please don't go and buy these from Amazon. Because I'm telling you now, the industry agrees. Amazon will be the death of comic book shops. And the death of comic book shops <laughs> means the death of the characters that you love. And it means less creative freedom, less creative endeavours. And it's just a general bad news for the whole comic book industry. We want you to take that passion you have for these characters and these stories that you get from the movies and the TV shows and use it to help keep real comic books, independent comic book shops, alive. When I grew up, I live in a medium-sized town but the nearest comic book shop was a, over an hour's drive away it was nothing in town there was a few comics that would be appear in the news news agents but to get to an actual comic book shop i can't tell you what that was like i, I would get to go there once every two months and it was to go to a place in stoke-on-trent that was called fantasy world right and it was it was I can't tell you what it was like as a as, as as like a huge comic book fan that had only ever been able to get like like one comic at a time to go to a place where there are comic books everywhere. There are boxes full of issues, and there the the new ones are there, the old ones are there, the collections are there. That's a wall full of just comic book toys. It was insane and incredible, and and. One of the best times of my childhood was when a comic book shop finally opened in, in my in my hometown when I was a teenager. I've been a regular customer in that shop with the same owner for 15 years. It, it's awesome that we can now buy online and get books shipped to our home. But you've got to use the real OGs. You've got to use the real 
comic book shops that support the industry, that are part of the industry in a way that Amazon just won't be. And and that's mm. that's our guys at Nash Comics. Please go and support them. They're an independent comic book shop. You can order online. They ship worldwide. So wherever you're listening, you can head to Nash Comics, G-N-A-S-H Comics.co.uk and get your fix. They've got all the very latest Marvel Comics, Spider-Man, Deadpool, Guardians of the Galaxy, all the latest issues are there, the Avengers, so much more. But just like us, Nash are committed to making it as easy as possible for new readers to get on board with comic books. They get their Marvel Universe deal. If you take advantage of that, Nash will specially select four comic books for you that are either the first issue of a new series or the start of a brand new story arc for you to get into. A, 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 a great jumping on point for new readers so that you don't feel lost in whatever story's going on. That's a really good um, That's a great, great way. It's a great way for you guys to start with a new series, to start reading a character you've always wanted to. Thirteen ninety-five for four specially selected issues shipped to your house. The Marvel Universe deal is a great way to sample Marvel Comics for the first time or to expand your reading and find out what is new in the Marvel Universe. I believe what is knocking around right now, as well as the incredible House of X series, which I'm a big, big fan of, that's included in their deal. Um, there's also the Empire story arc, which is running through. That involves some of the uh, most interesting aspects of the Marvel comics, which is the Skrulls and the Kree, and what is going on in the Skrull Empire. Um, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, is also included That's in that deal. Miles Morales, of course, hugely famous from the Spider-Verse movie. Jenny and Ewan, who run the shop, Nash Comics, are super, super helpful, super friendly people. So if you can't find what you're after on the website, you could just drop them an email. And I know this from personal experience. I've shopped there um, since we started chatting with them. I've been communicating with them for a while. They're super helpful, super friendly. If you can't find what you're after, send Jenny or Ewan an email on the website. They'll sort out whatever it is you're looking for and, and get it all nice and sorted out and... They've got a deal for you as well, guys. If you head over to Nash Comics, G-N-A-S-H Comics.co.uk, sign up for their newsletter right now, then you're going to get 10% off your first order. That is a way for you to support us, and it's a way to support real independent comic book shops. Um, How exciting is that, Will, that we're in partnership now? Yeah. Yeah, with a bricks and mortar comic book shop. Exactly, it's just so cool, man. It's it, we're, we're right in there, right in there. And it, and it's aligned with what mm. we're after, man. What we're after is is trying to convert people who've watched the movies and seen the TV shows and get you guys reading comic books because there is nothing like it. And if we can do that with a proper proper comic book shop, then we're really really cool and excited about getting to do that. It's like a so cause. thank you to like, Nash like, Comics. Like, yeah, man. Um, I've got hold of... Um, there's a fantastic Spider-Man story. I've got one issue of it, but I missed all the others. It's called Spider-Man Life Story. Hmm. And it, it's kind of a completely different universe and world. And it, it imagines... 
it basically is a story of Spider-Man if he aged in real time. So Ooh. if he was 15 in the early 1960s, it writes Spider-Man from that point on, aging in real time throughout the 70s and the 80s, and all how, how all these different things affected him over the years, yeah, and how yeah. all these different characters... and But as he gets older and older and older. Um, and I've been after that, 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 that collection for a while, and I've... Uh, I've been online and I've picked it up from nashcomics.co.uk. So I'm really, really excited about that. And it's great to be working with them. Um, and this podcast is now, I think we're now kind of officially accredited. So we're now sponsored by the comic book industry, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> you don't get more official than that. We are incredibly official. So without further ado, Will, you've got that VHS in front of you. <sighs> Going to blow it off. It's Age of Ultron that lays before us today. <laughs> Pop it in the slot and uh, take us away. Okay, let's press, let's press play. I'll get that right one day. <laughs> right, let's start the whole podcast again. <laughs> let's press play. Okay, let's press play. A year has passed... <laughs> Right, I'm not doing it now until you calm down. Sorry, sir. man. I'm That's sorry, right. man. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> it's, it's fine. A year has passed since the events of Winter Soldier. S.H.I.E.L.D. has collapsed and the terrorist organization Hydra has re-emerged. With S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer heading their operations, the Avengers reassemble for the first time in three years to track down and eliminate Hydra cells themselves using Tony Stark's resources to help. Their latest mission brings them to the location of the alien scepter that Loki utilised during the Chitari invasion. The scepter is now in the possession of Baron Wolfag, Wolfgang von Strucker, one of the notorious heads of Hydra, who has been using energy drawn from the alien power, alien weapon to power advanced weaponry, as well as attempting to empower living humans. So... I'll, I'll, I'll go for the name again. Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. I always think there's, there's going to be a German <laughs> joke there, but I don't think there is. I haven't consulted the the missus it, or the Frau, as I would call her. It's a very Aloha name, I think. Yeah, it does sound like a, an Aloha name. Uh, and yeah. he, he, he plays... This is one other thing that popped up. They A lot of people felt that he played a small role here. And he does play a small role here, but... I take it it's an important one. I'm a, is Baron uh, Wolfgang von Strucker uh, a big character from the comic book, would you say? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's, not, he's not like a Red Skull level villain. Oh, of course but not. But he's a, he's a major Nick Fury villain. Yeah? Ah, so he's, he's like a... Yeah. He's a major S.H.I.E.L.D. villain. Uh, originally... In the 1960s, they were publishing Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos, that that World War Two set comic book, hmm. um, and he was he was a major villain in that. They didn't tend to use the Red Skull in that comic book, um, e- even though the timeline would fit. Yeah, they they didn't use the Red Skull a huge amount. So, I, I guess Wolfgang von Strucker was kind of in there as like the evil top Nazi that we do want to talk about and use. Ah, Um, I don't think they were quite clear on what they wanted to do with Red Skull at the time. 
So, yeah, Strucker was around as the head Nazi. And then, uh, as they eased out of the Howling Commandos era, and they Mm. started to write Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a new comic book series, where it it was now set in the 60s, and Nick Fury was like a James Bond, but a James Bond who was very American and smoked a cigar and, like... Was not suave and just like punched people and had a teles- <laughs> had that telescope hat. We remember. Oh um, yeah, the telescope. I, I'm not. I'm not over that. That's always oh, as yeah. good as stilt man. <laughs> <laughs> so in 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 that in that series, it's revealed that Strucker escaped the Allies at the end of the Second World War, mm. and that's when we see Hydra for the first time. And you know, Hydra is then retconned to be a part of the World War II Nazi effort. And, yeah. and and Strucker escaped and kind of turned Hydra into this powerful organisation um, from the shadows that yeah. built Hydra Island, which is very, very Bond villain-esque. You know, he's going branding. in that Bond villain direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I would have called it Hydrand. I would have called it Woolworths. Oh. Just, you've got to get people to stop Look, stop calling it things people are going to investigate. Call it Woolworths. <laughs> Just I'll leave you alone. Don't go, oh, Unsuspicious not Island. Um, Unsuspicious <laughs> Island. During this time period, he, he Strucker uses a, a series of like cutouts and puppets, not literal puppets, uh, mm. a, a series of fall guys to pose as the leaders of Hydra and completely conceal his identity from Nick Fury and from mm. S.H.I.E.L.D., um, it gets exposed. Nick Fury, <laughs> Nick Fury kills him by <laughs> he. If you remember from the what episode we talk about Nick Fury a lot, was it Winter, probably Winter Soldier? It, it probably was Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah we talked about the Handing Commandos. We a talked lot about in America. Yeah, uh, we, we we talked about all Nick Fury's gadgets in Winter Soldier. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. check it out check it out in the archives so Nick Fury ha- manages to kill Baron Von Strucker but it's established in the comics that, that they've got these amazing like Mission Impossible style masks Yeah. so Fury yeah. puts one of those on and runs in he puts on a mask of Baron Von Strucker and goes no I'm the real Baron Von Strucker not him shoot him you fools and all of Strucker's <laughs> own men go yep yeah, Fair play, and they're just smowing <laughs> him down. <laughs> no. And it's hilarious if you remember that there's no way Nick Fury could do a German accent, especially um, Samuel L. Jackson. So, Nick Fury, that would be brilliant. <laughs> that would be like that. Remember Glorious, remember Glorious Bastards? Buongiorno. <laughs> it would have been like that. That's exactly what it'd be. Or it would be, you know, Sam Sam Jackson in in that. You know when he played. Remember when he played an ancient Jedi warrior from a galaxy far away and burst in on a bunch of people and said, "This party's over." Oh, <laughs> you know, did, like how, like yeah. how ancient Jedi warriors talk. Anyway, um, so Baron von Strucker <laughs> is being shot by his own men because Nick Fury is wearing a really good mask of his face <laughs> to escape them. He he does this thing where he's like it's like that old joke where they someone tries to run away and they open an exit but it turns out to be a closet. Only yeah. instead of it being a closet, he opens a door and walks into a nuclear reaction chamber. No. <laughs> and then he just disintegrates. Oh. Uh, because he, he Yeah. Anyway, uh decades later, um the Red Skull 
has has um, has struck a brought back to life uh, for the purpose of destroying Shield, and he he he, he pretty much does. Again, check out that Witness Soldier episode to yeah to find out more. We've got we've got so much content in the archives, guys. Don't sleep on it. So if you've not much. listened to all of it, you can dart around. You don't have to listen in order if you don't want to. Uh, there's so much to dig into. But yeah, that's uh, Baron von Strucker. So Bar- Wolfgang Baron von S- Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. I, Wolfgang. I oh, Wolf- he has. So yeah, he's not connected to. The, the the these twins mm. that we see in this movie, yeah. but he does have twins of his own. Uh, it's all about the his twins, his isn't it? children. When when he's dead, his wife or whatever, he has these two children. They be called known as the Fenris. They become known as Fenris, don't they? Uh, Alexandra, Andreas, and Alexander von Strucker, and they both have bizarre mutant powers, um, Ooh, and they become nice known link. as. Fenris, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fenris, that sounds like a kind of uh, pheromone. I think it's a, it's a, it's some sort of parable of a German a German wolf or a German wolf guard or a it's Germanic in its origins uh, or possibly possibly Norse. I'm not 100. percent There you go. Yeah, that, that would that that would that would fall in line with Hydra and the Nazis. So the Avengers spring into action. A raid is executed on Strucker's base in the Eastern European country of Sokovia. Commence. So with the sorry, with so it happens in Sokovia with the Avengers battling Hydra forces to reclaim the scepter. During the battle, two of his agents join the fray: Pietra and Wanda Maximoff, Sokovian twins who are the only humans to have survived exposure to the scepter's energy. As a result of Hydra experiments. The twins have gained supernatural powers. Pietro can move at superhuman <clears throat> speeds, while Wanda possesses some psionic powers like telekinesis. The twins are able to hold their own against the Avengers, but are unable to prevent the heroes from capturing Strucker. Now, I, I want to talk about the film quick now. So, I know a few people said the opening CGI wasn't that good, but I, 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 I don't care. Great opening to the film. Carries on the momentum of the last movie. Does that same I kind loved of it, yeah? Is that same kind of dashing? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go and punch people and say some quick quips, and there's gonna be some really well coordinated stunts. And that shot, you know, you know, they wanted to do this shot. They wanted to. This is the key moment. Is at the beginning where they're all charging in a line, and there's that perfect split <laughs> shot. It's like, yeah, that's 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 just like a comic book. Perfect. I love the opening to this film. I remember when I saw it in the cinema. I was I was sat there going, <laughs> rubbing my hands, going. Oh boy, I am in for a good feast. I loved it. Uh, also, <laughs> the Kim, as well as this is this is what I've always loved about the Avengers. I love uh, how they how they work as a team. They, the 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 chore, the choreographs of the scenes, how they choreograph them. Sorry, they just bounce off each other. They use each other to an advantage. It's just so good. And the way they interact was brilliant. Like my, one of my favourite bits is obviously <laughs> the first the first line in the film. Tony Stark swears, <laughs> and then. Captain America goes language, <laughs> and then they, they all continue talking. They all continue talking. Goes, I'll take this. I'll take that. And then Tony's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are we just going to ignore the fact that Cat said language?" <laughs> and then later in this, towards the end, he goes, "Yes, good work, team." And for and what? For God's sake, what's your gosh darn language? And he's like, "Yep, not going to live that one down." <laughs> what I what I really like about it is that it it mimics um, how. <laughs> Anytime you watch like a, 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 a 
I mean, there's a reality to it as well. But anytime yeah. you watch any great film or prestige drama about soldiers or cops in the field, they're doing a very serious job, right? Mm. And it's adrenaline fueled. But yeah. it is their job, and they are working together. They do have tons of banter, tons of gallows oh, humor, yeah. uh, tons of. Tons of, yeah, today my job is fighting someone or arresting a murderer or blah, 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 you know. And I think it really, it, it, whilst it is very pleasing for an audience, I don't think it's, it, it's not like massively out of place, is it? It's not like, mm. oh, they would never be speaking. Like, it feels like work a day, proper banter that you'd have if your job was smashing up a bunch of terrorists. It would, it, it comes off better, it eases me in, into the film better than, than if they spoke importantly yeah. officially i would be going po-faced uh, yeah yeah I, I would be having a hard time with this i mean even like the batman uh, dark knight trilogy ha, ha, sort of your favorite did, did your favorite films of all time i I'm a, i i think they're great i think there are flaws with them but i can discuss that another time or if you definitely want us to discuss batman for some reason Hey, I'm sure we we could oblige at some point, but anyway. You know, it's been brought up a couple of times. Uh, mm. Marvel versus Marvel DC edition. Yeah, and we're, we're not we're not ruling it out. We're not ruling it out. Um, I I I would be really up for that, but anyway, um, I, I I I feel like you're right. They they get they get it just right. There's a good mix. You do feel like these guys live together. They live together. They work together. They yeah. know how to communicate efficiently, and they and there's no if they if they're on the job for the first time like together, they would uh, edge towards the banter, which is the technical term, uh, but like not fully do it. But they're fully <laughs> into it, and they, these guys know each other. It was great. Also, I want to get this fact because I, I I discovered it on my own accord. I'm pretty brainy at times. Um, Quicksilver in this film is played by Aaron Johnson. Uh, and in the and also this isn't the only film with Quicksilver in, isn't it? This isn't the only film we've seen Quicksilver. It's not, in. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even the, even know what happens later. Yeah, exactly. It's uh it's it's a bit odd because obviously because of the two studios. Anyway, uh in the X-Men film Days of Future Past, uh, Quicksilver is in there played by Evan Peters. Now Aaron Johnson uh, you'll know best from the film Kick Ass or even lesser uh, known, he played a young John Lennon in another film, but that's another thing. Uh, basically, Aaron Johnson and Evan Peters were both in the film Kick-Ass as best friends. And they later, they later go on to play the same Marvel character in two entirely different films. And I thought that was a, a really weird coincidence. I thought that needed mentioning. What is interesting as well mm. is beyond that, we both this uh, just this week we've been messaging back and forth about the uh, One Division series. We, the trailers dropped, yes, and uh, yes, we've messaged back and forth about that. Well, rumor has it Evan Peters has been cast to play a role in One Division. Now, what that means. I don't know. Well, it, it looks like a very experimental and interesting uh, move uh, TV show. Yeah, and yep, whether yep. the other Quicksilver is going to appear because now they own that that franchise as well. Maybe we do get a Quicksilver, but it's not our Quicksilver. Who knows? It Who could knows? be like that moment uh, in in Civil War in the, in the trailers where Spider Man suddenly popped up and almost the entire planet screamed. I, I, I know I was taken aback. That was a moment for me. I was oh, like, yeah. no way! 
but we'll cover that. We'll cover that. So back to uh, Wanda uh, and, and Pietro. Is this how they get their powers in their comic books from Hydra experiments? Because I had them down as uh, X Men. Yeah, um, they 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 are, but they can't be mutants in this film series because there are no mutants. There are no mutants in the MCU. So, in, in the comic books, they are they are uh, they are mutants from from X Men, and and then they're also Avengers. Mm-hmm. So, for for some reason, I don't know how this is played out, but they there are dual rights to the characters that exist. Yeah. Um, Arguably, the Avengers has much, much more of a claim on these characters than than the X Men. Oh, but okay. They, um, well, after the yeah, film, they appear mean? here as uh, if if you were to. So the Marvel char- characters cross over all the time. Yeah. So if you were to say, "Oh well, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Spider Man's appeared in the in the X Men comic book series, so mm-hmm. we've got the rights to him as well." That obviously is nonsense, right? Yeah. It, it gets it gets uh, clouded by the fact that these characters appeared for the first time in the X Men, but beyond a certain point, they stopped appearing in the X Men, and they were no longer really X Men characters. They their right. home was in the Avengers, so it makes the issue clouded. In, so it's in, kind in of like when, books, um, is it like when Kingpin went over to become a Daredevil villain rather than a Spider-Man villain? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but 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 even, but but even even more so because there's maybe two maybe two years in the X-Men mm. and then 30 plus years in the Avengers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know that's 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 you know uh so, so in the comic books the the they are mutant twins um in the in the marvel country of transia Ooh. which is meant to be transylvania uh, okay uh, there we go. they have a they they have a complicated backstory that gets that gets retconned tw- at least twice three times sorry the, their origins were, were a long-running mystery in Marvel comics that, that got altered a few times. Their their mother Magda <clears throat> kind of fled her husband in fear when she was about to give birth. She was scared of what what would happen with with her husband and and, and her children. Who ran away, gave birth, died. Originally, Pietro and uh, Wanda were thought to be the children of two. Golden Age Marvel t- timely, timely, timely. Uh, um, World War Two superheroes, oh. Miss America, and the Wizard. <laughs> Remember, we talked about the. <laughs> No, no, no. Do you remember no. we talked about the wizard? We, we might have. Did, did, I, did I mention urine? Because that's the first thing coming to my mind is, oh, yeah, just yeah, a yeah, second, yeah. I've had a pint. Wizard, away! I, we we, we, we got to reach out. I don't know if it, I don't know if it means the same in the, Ameri- in the, Ameri- in the Americas, uh, he says, as a, as a colonizer. Oh, it does. I don't Homer know Simpson if taking, said it. Taking a whiz. Yeah, taking a whiz. It's in America. Yeah. So, yeah, Simpson said it. Uh, I think I think because Quicksilver is super fast and the only other super speed character in 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 Marvel's you know database was the Wizard, they mm-hmm. thought that was a smart 
person to be the husband. But that turned out to be a lie, and they, they retconned that and did away with that. When when Wanda used her powers to save a young boy, they get the classic 60s X-Men treatment, a, a, a village mob. You know, a mob comes from a neighbouring village with flaming you know, pitchforks and all of that to, mm. to burn her as a witch. So Pietro races her away and they go on the run, but they're being hunted by lot because the word of, of, of their witchcraft or their powers or whatever spreads in this backward fictional country, Transia. And and so they're 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 on the run and hiding and they get saved by Magneto, who kind of basically says, You'll be safe if you join my Brotherhood of Mutants. And they do, and that leads to them battling the X-Men and becoming Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. They're shown to be uh, very reluctant the whole time that they are doing these things. Um, very reluctant. They, it's 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 like out of a debt that they are they are doing this, um, and it's. Paying that debt back to Magneto is what it's all about. Um, luckily for them, Magneto gets kidnapped by a cosmic god entity called the Stranger and vanishes from the Earth, and they consider that to be their, their debt from society repaid. And uh, decades later, it's revealed that unbeknownst to anyone, Magneto um, has been their father all along. Magneto, he gets around, doesn't he? He gets around. Because <laughs> I, I know this is going to annoy you. This is going to annoy you because all I can th- see is Surrey and McKellen going, mm, "Hello, lady." <laughs> <laughs> That's the Magneto I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, he's got. He's because he's got. Um, there's another uh, mag- magnet-powered mutant called Polaris. That's his daughter as well. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think he's got any others, but yeah. Uh, Magneto and his many yeah, failed so the marriages. Maximoff, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. His uh, the Maximoff twins yep. were revealed in to to be to be Magneto's kids, and that begins a very weird, a very weird kind of almost royal family esque issue where the Avengers now have ties to a terrorist mm. and it gets even more complicated um when when uh quicksilver marries and has a child with one of the inhumans from the inhuman royal family you've then got the mutants and the avengers and the inhumans all tied together through this marriage network and it's a very uh Yes, it's a very thing of different nations coming together. Wow. Quite fun, though. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just surprised he has it in him. Just surprised <sighs> he has it in him. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the film. So, after the battle, the battle is won! Stark finds the scepter, and Wanda attempts to stop him by using her powers to implant a vision into his mind. In his vision, Stark sees his teammates dead or dying, while the Chitari launch an even larger invasion on Earth. Upon seeing Stark's nightmare, Wanda allows him and the Avengers to take the scepter away before fleeing with her brother. Okay, 
let's talk about Wanda for a quick sec. We'll probably cover her later um, in a bit. But I want to talk uh, about the fact that not only has she got telekinesis, one of the greater mind powers uh, of superhero lore. I, I think it's fantastic power. Yeah. She has the power to give you nightmare visions, which is horrifying. I think that's the most horrifying thing ever. I because I I, I uh, sp- yeah. What are you going to say? Especially because they're, they're not. It's not like you're now covered in spiders. It's literally your greatest fear. Yeah, it's, it's not like the <laughs> it's, scarecrow. Is it? it, it sh- where's no, the, where's no, like, yeah, everyone's it is. a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's drilling down to what what is. Yeah. The thing you don't want to admit or think about or talk about, and then making it happen. It's uh, yeah. What I would have loved to see is her use her power on someone in the film, and it's not uh, decimation. Everybody, all your loved ones being lost or a horrible memory. It's like something really embarrassing. Like, oh no, I called the teacher dad. <laughs> <laughs> Or something like that. Just a really settled person. The the biggest the big the, the the biggest ally the Avengers can use against the Scarlet Witch is finding like the most settled, chilled dude. Just like have you got your life together? Yeah. Can you come and help us smack this word? Because she's really getting to a lot of us. Yeah, no worries, mate. No worries. Oh, me shoes don't match. Me trousers. Ah, it's Monday morning and the milk's gone off. Uh, got to go to the shop, but I haven't got my socks on. Ah, they're all in the wash. I, I could go on. I think uh, that's a good path to go down. But yeah. we'll, we'll abandon it. Uh, also, uh, I, I, was, I was talking to you about this... Uh, I, I mentioned about 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 Joss Whedon earlier on, and 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 I mean, his script really shines. I, I I don't want to be too much of a fanboy here. I mean, I'm not a massive Joss Whedon fanboy, but I appreciate where his script really comes into play. His script really shines here. The same kind of wit as Firefly, uh, and all up to the point where Stark almost talks exactly like Malcolm Reynolds, uh, Nathan Fillion's character on there. He really talks like him. It's it's the it's the unique you know playing playing that kind of uh, unique not quite anti hero but you know a shade of grey hero yeah you know? um, I like that a bombastic a bombastic hero who's seen a lot of a lot of stuff you know a lot of bad bad shizzle mm. and and but is still a bit bombastic and a bit of a renegade um, I I I I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer well you know I don't have costumes and toys and stuff yeah. i mean i i really really love i'm i'm like as a fan i'm like that right i don't yeah. i don't do like collection and i don't really join in with fandom too much but i just when i when i say i'm a fan of something i i adore the the series and i i will i will watch and rewatch. and the scripts that he either writes or oversees or directs or is a part of uh, you know in that series really show how great dialogue sparkling witty dialogue can elevate even things that you might go ah another vampire <laughs> but if you can if you can nail the character into yep. play yep. the character interaction the characterization and the character arcs and you can also add witty fun dialogue as well you'll keep me coming back no matter what the show's about I mean, when Buff- again i'm a, i'm a, you know so you going to say you were you going to say 
I, 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 you know, I'm also a big fan of Gilmore Girls, which mm. I would never have, uh, especially at the time when I started to watch it. I was kind of a bit more of a, uh, you know, a foolish young ma- kind of macho watching guy. But the the, the the dialogue is just so good. The characterizations are so good. It's kind of there's a funness to it, and it's like going back to some of the very old black and white. Um, films some of the spencer tracy films things like bringing up baby or Mm. or his girl friday right where so much of the fun is in the witty interplay that Mm. kind of is just incidental to the plots i like but it just keeps bubbling along and keeps you keeps you really interested in whatever they're talking about it's it's fantastic i mean i i remember when buffy the van about buffy the vampire so i was going to say i remember when it was on uh in my youth uh, and I sometimes caught the odd episode, but I was never really into it. But I did seven years ago actually go through the first series and I enjoyed it. I was really, wow, I, I didn't expect me to enjoy it, enjoy it so much, but I loved it. Uh, before we move on a bit more on to Wanda, uh, I just remember just now, I also found another little fact. The actress who plays Wanda, do you know her name? Yes, it's Elizabeth uh, something Olsen. Yeah. And, and it never clicked. Do you know who her, who, who, who her famous siblings are? Yes, yes, the Olsen twins. She's the younger sibling of of the Olsen twins. I had no idea. Yeah. They, there you go. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it, she does look exactly like them, Will. That's the I, giveaway. I'm going to disagree and say she doesn't look that much like them. I, 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 no, she does. She looks exactly like them. Oh no! I'm, I've got the ten-year-old. She is just a third twin. In my head constantly. Is she actually oh, a twin? I thought me. she was a younger sister. No, I mean, no, 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 no. She's not. She's not a twin. Obviously, um, there's, there's a good, there's a good like eight to ten years or something. But um, no, I, I, I just mean if you see them together yeah. as adults, you go, yeah, that makes sense. You all look the same. I'll find a picture um, of that later and then get back to you on that. Uh, what I would say, what uh, you do on your own time, mate. What you do on your own time with twins is no, no business of ours. You, you, you just crack on, as it were. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I do innocent <laughs> stuff as well, mate. Uh, <laughs> no, I, was, I, I was just going to about to say it must have been pretty weird for as an actress, a young actress, because she popped up in some uh, Olsen twins films. Apparently, uh, it must be weird seeing her twin twin sisters, or whatever, get all this stardom at a young age, and then eventually that sort of they, they sort of you know stepped away from the camera, did their own things, you know, businesses and stuff, and now she's stepped into the limelight as Wanda, and she's sort of now getting that yeah. same... And I, I think that's quite wonderful. That must, that must be quite a weird sensation for her. But I, 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 I think that's a fantastic... Uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, but I want to move on uh, away from Miss Olsen and move on to uh, Miss uh, Markovich. Not Malkovich. What's her name? Maximilian. What was her surname? <laughs> I have no memory. I just... It goes, yeah, it was being John Malkovich. That's what's Russian. happened in this... <laughs> That would be yeah, quite so the new characters that join the Avengers are uh, uh, Quicksilver and John Malkovich. John, hey, <laughs> um, where are they yeah. going? <laughs> they, you, you take a bad guy, you, you, you take him to that weird half half floor, you throw him through the portal, and then when they wake up, they're John Malkovich, and that's how he fights crime. <laughs> uh, the Malkovich what cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lord! Anyway, we're going to get t-shirts. We're going to have to get t-shirts. I like that. I like that. 
Uh, th- actually, that reminds me. Uh, I'm really sorry with these little tangents. There's a meme group to do with Martin Scorsese. They took the mick out of him for uh, criticizing uh, Marvel films. So someone mocked up the Marvel Studios logo, but they changed the lettering to Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Oh, Marty. Oh, my, I love him. Anyway, uh, so we see her moving things with her mind, uh, Wanda, and we make nightmares. What exactly are her powers? Is there anything more to it? That's a good question, Will. I, I'm full of That's it. That's a good question. I wish I had an answer. I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> been reading Marvel comics. Been reading Marvel comics for 30 plus years. I wish I had a good answer for you. But I don't, <laughs> because she is frustratingly vague which makes her powers terrible it's a terrible power set and it's overseen by writer after writer changing but still will still being annoyingly vague she this is what she bugs me as a character because of this okay so when when the scarlet witch was first created lee and kirby Mm. in the 60s in the x-men her powers were not defined okay. well defined at all she had she had being her name is scarlet witch she had hex powers <laughs> that would cause random and unlikely events to take place like causing bad luck for other people this gave far too much creative freedom to the writers because it meant that her powers could be used for any purpose the plot required <laughs> her powers were to be convenient yeah. If you want to say a thing now, Will, I'll let you say it. You're not 100% right, but it starts with a D. It's your favourite thing to say. Oh, no. I, oh, I, no. I have a lot of favourite things that begin with D, so... <laughs> her, her abilities are... She's like a walking deuce ex machina. Oh, um, I, I like Although she one. doesn't... I like that one. Although she doesn't drop out of the sky, it's that her powers are she's she's a sonic screwdriver. Her powers are the sonic screwdriver. There we go. Right? Which is the modern criticism of modern who is that the sonic screwdriver solves plot points. It never used to anyway. <laughs> so she's Wonder is 100% definitely a mutant and not a witch. The witch part of her name comes from when the villagers wanted to murder her for being a witch. So it's kind of like, oh, you want me to be a witch, do you? Right, all right, I'll be a witch. She owns it. And, she and totally then, owns the witch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then writer uh, Steve Angelhart, great legendary Marvel writer and, and Avengers writer, when he's writing the Avengers, he has a start to learn witchcraft. Okay. Or... Or he has a start to learn how to use her mutant powers as if they're witchcraft. It's never clear and it's super confusing. And the vagueness just keeps growing. Uh, as different writers come on board, Kurt Busiek in, 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 the, in the 90s, um, redefi- he's a great writer, he redefined her as having... So what happened is, in, in between these, before the 90s, so from the 70s and 80s onwards... Her powers just 
just there were no confines and it would just do stuff and it would just there there was no like in the movie it's focused right it, it's mm. clearly it's clearly she has some form of telepathic power yeah. and some form of telekinesis she's a bit like Jean Grey in the X Men yeah. in that respect yeah, essentially her tele her telepathic power doesn't seem to be reading minds but it's projecting thoughts finding out you oh no she can read minds she does that as well but not very often anyway in the comic books it's just not clear Kurt Busiek in the nineties. He redefines her as having chaos magic, right? Mm. And and, it, and it's never that's not a term that existed in in the Marvel universe. It's written like it, it, it's sort of her mutant power because it's not real magic. She doesn't study it. She doesn't learn it. She doesn't even understand it, and she can't even really know what's about to happen when she does it. Oh. And she get then she gets this new backstory where, as well as being a mutant. As a child, she was altered by a demon to Ooh. give her these innate magic powers. Altered um, by a demon? It's, That's, that sounds like yeah. a, a police report from the 19th century. <laughs> I think it sounds like a band. Altered by, altered a, by de- a demon. Altered by a demon. Yeah. A demon. Uh, I think it's definitely a band. Yeah. So that's Wanda. It's, it's, it, it's bad. You, you listen to me. It's dumb. Bad. She has a lot of fans out there who, who are very passionate about her being the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. They're very silly people. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's she, she she's at times been a very very nice character, very it's kind of slightly interesting character. But you, you got it ill-defined, vague like powerpoints like that just lead to ill-defined, vague characters. It's frustrating. I don't like it. Make it stop. Yeah, that, that 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 is incredibly frustrating. But let's not frustrate ourselves further. Let's get back down to the film as we uh, we return. Hydra is down. With Strucker's arrest, Hydra has suffered a great blow, and the organization is left in a state of disarray. Returning to Avengers Tower with the Scepter, Stark and Bruce Banner begin studying the weapon. Their research leads to the discovery of a net of neurons inside the stone that, according to Stark, could be reconfigured into an artificial intelligence. Banner argues against it, saying that they don't have the right to create artificial intelligence and that the end result could be dangerous. Deeply troubled by the nightmare visions Wanda showed him, Stark wants to put a suit of armour around the world to ensure disaster never strikes. He argues that the AI could power their Ultron project and run a legion of peacekeeping Iron Man robots all around the world. Stark convinces Banner. They extract the neural net from the stone and set Stark's supercomputer Jarvis to convert it. Uh, I want to put a side note here, as well as all this tech speak. Uh, The skin healing machine used on uh, Hawkeye (laughs) was pretty good. I... That's that's the... The chose such and such regeneration cradle. Yeah, regenerate. Well, something like that. <laughs> but it was like, oh, it's essentially mm. polyphilia for humans, isn't it? It's <laughs> essentially what it is. Well, I don't think it doesn't fill in. It 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 takes. Yeah, it takes what's there and builds more of it. Yeah, polyphilia. You're yeah, right. Yeah, it's this polyphilia. All walls are made of polyphilia <laughs> in the end. So that's what. What are you? What are you? How disturbing is it? Just me, mm. or does, or, or I mean, <laughs> we get 
we get our first glimpse of kind of fascist Tony Stark here, right? Uh, <laughs> we get a little... Yeah, Tony Stark, which is German for strength. Stark is German for strong. Yeah. Mm. We, we get this, we get this gl- glimpse of we answer to no one, yeah. we have no oversight, let's put a military force that answers to us around the world <laughs> and can't be stopped. <laughs> Isn't this kind of like the opposite of what happened in one of those Star Trek movies? <laughs> Where they, they wanted to, they, they, had a, they had a barrier around the Earth and then they decide, oh no, actually you can now interact with the rest of the universe or something. I heard about this. Or maybe... No idea. Okay, never mind. It might have happened on a South Park episode as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, yeah, it's just... It, it is this... Uh, it also bugs me how quick, how weak Banner is. And how he just capitulates straight away. And he's like, Hey, Tony, maybe we shouldn't be fascists. And then Tony's like, Ah, oh, yeah, but go on, though. Hey, what about bad things? And he goes, oh yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Is that is that is that Gruffalo? That's Gruffalo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought for a second that was you just criticising Gruffalo Banner because of your it, it, yeah yeah. <laughs> My problem with Mark Gruffalo. Uh, he's he's a great rom com lead. That's all I'll say. Oh, I'd I'd love to see him, him and and a girl in a coffee shop. Brilliant, absolutely spot on. He is so dreamy. Uh, he is so dreamy. He's not Bruce Banner, though, is he? He's not Bruce Banner. He's not harangued. He looks very well rested throughout this film. I think Disney are he doing a fantastic like the... job with their artistic direction, Rob. I think they're doing a great job. <laughs> Bring back Norton, man. Bring that, him back. Yeah, then the movies would have only made like half the money back or something or whatever because it's insanely high at wage or something. He's, he's one of the most highly paid... Actors in Hollywood or something. Norton. Is he? I heard somewhere. I remember reading about it <laughs> on one of those uh, magazine articles you read online, which are full of adverts and incredibly suspicious. But it was written. It, no doubt about that. It was written. Written, man. I know that Marvel, uh, they always used to be dirt, dirt cheap. Uh, really cheap with paying people. And the pay disputes were there with um, the first... War Machine, yeah, and the first Hulk, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Ruffalo's selling any more tickets, is he? Listen, come on, let's not back. Let's not. I don't want to be. Do, I don't want to be that person. He's a he's a really good actor. I just don't think he fits this role. Don't be but too Ruffalo go. on Mark Gruffalo. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so cute. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Let's let, let let's talk about him in a favourable light. So, movie fans apparently have started calling. I didn't know about this. I've, I've got I've got I've, I've, I've got this here. I've I've just found out about it. Uh, movie fans have started calling Banner uh, and Stark the Science Bros. Uh, that's weird. Oh, there's a lot of shipping as well. There was a lot of yes, yeah, they loved Science Bros, and there was a lot of shipping of them. Uh, yeah, very popular duo. I am imagining fandom. a lot of weird fan art from this. Uh, of course, we won't yeah. D- delve down that. Uh, but in, in terms of official art, what is their relationship like in the comic books? Well, Bruce, um, in the comic books, Bruce Banner's not close to anyone on the Avengers. I can imagine. Because he's not, he's not 
really an Avenger. Mm, he, yeah. he leaves the comic. He leaves the comic in issue, issue two, and he spends decades at odds with them or completely separated from them. And it's only very, very, very recently. Uh, once the first movie came out, that there was any kind of uh, reconciliation and bringing back, and even then, I'm not sure how in continuity that was. Um, Bruce's close ties are not to the Ave- the Avengers, but to the Defenders. He has close ties to Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, and Namor the Submariner, which is a, just a separate a separate team. Um, so there's never really been much of a of a relationship between Banner and Stark until 2014 when Marvel launched a semi-event called Original Sin which for the first time revealed deep dark secrets about the pasts of major characters and this was revealing something that Stark had blocked out of his well Okay, so we we learn in Original Sin that Stark and Banner first met at university and worked together on the gamma bomb that turned Bruce into the Hulk. This had never, ever been mentioned before in the entire history of either character. There are published, published issues where they meet for the first time and we have to now kind of forget them. Um, and, and this... This takes over. This is a new history. Um, because Tony was drunk in his younger years, he, he his, some of his actions take place during a blackout period for him, and he uh. is caused to remember them for the first time. And what he remembers is it, it develops and builds over three or four issues. For a long while, it looks like Stark, when they were younger got drunk and angry and sabotaged the gamma bomb and thus was responsible for banner becoming the hulk wow and that was the that was the driving impetus of this original sin story with 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 iron man and hulk and they had a big fight and it 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 turned out that actually what happened was he came close to doing that but didn't mm. and what he actually did was he saw the shielding was on the, around the bomb was very weak. Mm. So he adjusted the shielding on the bomb. Now, by improving the shielding, he saved Bruce's life. It prevented the gamma blast from killing Bruce Banner. Yeah. And, and thus, all it did is turn him into the Hulk. And, but Bruce Banner resents that because... He believes it would have been better for him to have died in that blast yeah. rather than be cursed to live as the Hulk. So there's big tension there. Given given that we haven't, in terms of the MCU, we haven't really, apart from maybe the Incredible Hulk, we kind of have an origin story there. It's all to do with the lab stuff. It's it's a it's a pre-title sequence. It's just yeah. as the credits roll, you see a series of like you see a montage, and it's not even. And this is the real. It bugged me in in both of the as it doesn't happen in the in it doesn't happen in the Hulk, the Ang Lee Hulk either. Mm. There's no bomb. <laughs> they remove the defining factor of Hulk, which is that he the explosion, the 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 the, the nuclear style bomb. They take it out and they make it all to do with blood work and 
super soldier serums and stuff. I, 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 yeah, I, was yeah, about, yeah. I was about to say, given there's that sort of blind spot into the origin story, do you think... Actually, no, they can't. They can't because Stark wouldn't... Be, they couldn't do another thing with Stark. I don't think there's any way... Uh, they could, he's they could not ruled... He, he's not ruled out. Uh, he's not ruled out returning um, in some capacity. He wouldn't be to come back and play Iron Man in feature film, you know, and be the be the star and be in the Avengers and all that. But he has not ruled out coming back to play the role of Tony Stark in flashbacks yeah, or yeah. stuff like that. So who who knows? Who yeah. knows? It, it would help they if... They won't do this, though. Nah, I, that, I was about to say maybe, but it's no. t- it, the, the deal with Universal, which is hinders the Hulk, would have to end first. There's that big deal that... They have to distribute with Universal, and they don't want to, and this split doesn't work for them, and so they they don't they won't use Hulk as an independent character in an independent movie until that deal is done. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see him in the Avengers and in Thor and stuff like that, but you won't see a Hulk Hulk movie for a little bit of time. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. At some point, all these deals are going to come, you know, come off the table, and then we're going to see something even bigger than, than, than Avengers Endgame. We're going to see the biggest thing yet, I reckon. I think Avengers Endgame. When when they mix it, mixing X Men in is it's a, it's a it's a arduous task. It's a very big, big, big picture task, and 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 I don't quite know how they're going to do it. Um, whether you start all over again, I would start all over again personally. I would, but that's because I don't have much affection for the Fox uh, X Men series. I perhaps want to think about that though, because there's a lot of money there. The people that do have affection for it, you know, perhaps want to see it. You know, want to want to pay to see more of it. I don't know. I I think it would be worth rebooting within the MCU, but that's just me. I I, I would yeah. be happy with that because you kind of want to remove that link, even though, as we all know, Patrick Stewart was possibly the best casting for. <laughs> Charles Xavier. The, the the key thing to me is that when you start to have too many X Men, I think it shrinks the universe. Personally, yeah. Um, I don't. I said this before. I don't like the idea that here's uh, here's you know thirty thousand character superhero super powered people, and their origin is all the same. Born with that way. I don't like that. I think it's dull. Um, yep. But yep. but there you go. If no, you no, can no, keep it to a small sense. number and say. Okay, there's these there's these eight heroes, mm. and then there's these I don't know eight, eight villains or whatever, um, and they're the only people in the world with this mutation. Um, but I think there's a lot of lot of fun you can have in that. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how they do it. Anyway, back to the film. So much later, after three days, the project is seemingly met with success, with little success. The Avengers throw a party and are joined by other allies, including... What are you laughing at? <laughs> it was the reed. <laughs> because you read the first line as if it was going to be... The, the project is met with... And you thought it was going to be success. And then you went, little success. I, and, then, I... and then the next line was, the Avengers throw a party. <laughs> as if the next line took you by surprise. <laughs> I... 
I, I, I'm really bad at reading this at the moment. I, my, my, my content lens is in, and, 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 and it's at the end of the day. Oh, so, you know, it was fun. Anyway, so I, I'm, gonna, I'm try reading as best I can, but I'm trying to add a bit more emotion into it. But the problem is the emotion is all over the place. <laughs> So uh, there's that. Anyway, so backstory. So they're joined by allies. The, the, the Avengers throw a whopping great party uh, and, are jo- <laughs> and are joined by other allies, including Sam Wilson, Maria Hill and Jim Rhodes. Steve's World War II buddy drink Asgardian liquor with Thor. N- Natasha flirts with Banner. Unbeknownst to the Avengers, though, Ultron suddenly activates. Somehow, already self-aware, Ultron assimilates all the information on the internet and the knowledge of humanity's history, causing it to go haywire. Deciding that the biggest threat to the world is humanity, Ultron and attacks so Ultron attacks and destroys Jarvis before building itself a body using damaged parts of the Iron Legion. Now, when I first um, saw trailers for this film uh, and saw the details, and it said, oh, James Spader is playing Ultron. And I went, what, him from Stargate? He's not very threatening. I, right, I... I'm a whore for James Spader. Oh, he's he's, he's I I, <laughs> I was watching Boston Legal for a few few seasons. Yeah, but I love him. I, I I do not place I I do not connect the 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 actor I'm a modern day whore for with the guy from Stargate who was very ineffectual. But I'm I like that that it's it honestly it's so badly written. There's a TV series called Blacklist. Yes, um, yeah. which is is. It's drudge, it's drudge, but I watch it because James Spader does the James Spader voice and acts charming and sinister, and you go, yeah, this is brilliant. I could watch him do this in anything. So do you mean... To, it's I, like an evil Frasier. Yes. I, 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 but not but not Sideshow Bob, you know. I did try and do... After watching Boston Legal with the fantastic William Shatner, I did try and emulate James Spader's voice. I think I still got it. It's like... Hello there, I'm James Spader, and I'm kind of charming but creepy at the same time. It's that kind of... He's, yeah, he, it is, it's drawing out the... Uh, it's drawing out some of the... What yeah, are you doing great. over there? <laughs> it's, like, it's that kind of weird... Uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. That, I think that's that. there's been a lot of those casting in, in Marvel where you go, he's... He's playing who? Yeah. And then you go, oh, the voice of a CGI character. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fine. But this is the thing. Uh, I th- I, on, on that subject, I think it's fine to be surprised at this point by casting choices. Like, I, I don't want to go, go, go down and talk about James Bond. Everyone's surprised about casting choices of that. But in the end, it's like, I want to be surprised. I want my initial reaction to be no, because I want to be talked around. I want their performance to be so good so good that that it, it, someone like me is going to go actually that was good because that, uh, that, that that's the sign of a good performance that if you- I, I think that that's fine for something like this where people are going to go because the main cast are huge stars that draw people in mm. but that does not equate to a safe secure casting 
for someone that's going to drive your ticket sales. Mm. Like, if if you're talking about relying on the new James Bond to convince you, then you're talking about an awful lot of people who aren't confident. And if you're not confident, you're not going to buy a ticket. You're going to catch it later. There we go. Okay, And it's fine in, in this kind of role because you've got all the trappings of it's movie, whatever, 100 of a successful franchise, and there's... 12 guys on the cast who are everyone wants to pay to see and then you go oh i'm not sure about that but it, 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 it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a it's not you know the casting of m or maybe the villain in bond yeah. can take you by surprise and win you over there we go but bond has got a it's got to be a he's a box office draw he's 60 to 70 percent of the film so yeah yeah that i i, I do he's, that he's like 90 percent. it's 90 percent of the film it's ninety percent. Yeah. Okay. If you're not on board with the actor playing Bond, you're not going to go and see Bond, are you? Well, to be fair, I I wasn't on board with George Lazenby, but on a Majesty's <sighs> Secret Service, what a film! Who, who, who? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, anyway, serious Bond talk over. <laughs> Back to the MCU. Uh, so I I thought it was as I said puzzling cast at first, but I thought he did it perfectly. He did a great job. I bloody love James Spader in this, and yeah. That's that's my point in that. And I know um, this is me being technical and really boring now. So strap in, lads. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Here we okay. go. There's the scene where... Okay, and well, actually... Yeah, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> let me stroke my neck beard. Mm, sorry, sorry. Did, did you did you criticise Sargon on the internet? Yeah, his video's out of context. Anyway, um, I... I know it's communication for the audience. I know you've got to do things in films, communicate what's happening. And of course, they're going to do this, you know, when it comes to hacking and stuff. You have a hologram of uh, Jarvis and a hologram of Ultron, and they're talking. And, and obviously, that won't happen. That all happened behind scenes, behind in the code. And you might have a monitor somewhere, like showing maybe activity and stuff happening and like connections going. And that's it. You, you wouldn't have this conversation. In fact, the conversation that you have wouldn't last 30, 30 to 60 seconds. It would happen in a couple of seconds because of the speed, the speed in which they communi- communicate. I Trust me. I for my job. So what do you want? What do you? So what do you want it to happen then? What, what? do you want? Do you want that scene? Do you want no? Do you, like so in your? If you were to remake this movie, yes, that scene. What it wouldn't? It wouldn't happen. That scene, and the audience would not get any of the information. I think. I think. I think that scene could have been instead of doing a straight conversation. Maybe you could show the computer activity going up, and you hear echoes of the voice like, and suddenly, oh no, what's happened there? And you see Jarvis Power go down or something. That, but that's not obvious enough. I think what they've done here, it's not no. What they've done, what they've done here <laughs> is fine, fine for a Marvel film. But I, I watched it and went, oh, look, I work with APIs, I work with backend services and modules and whatnot. And, and microservices. I know oh, that God, this guys, should take so- less I'm long. sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's nearly over. <laughs> I'm sure it's nearly over. All I'm saying is, if they stripped it down <laughs> to a couple of seconds, we could have more time for Mark Gruffalo to look smoulderingly at the camera <laughs> with his gorgeous little face. I'm just trying to give the people what they yeah. want. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. my my, my favourite bit of this party scene was. Um, Steve Rogers' World War Two buddies 
drinking as Guardian's <sighs> yes. liquor with Thor. I loved it. Stanley's cameo it. was great. I love that. He goes, "This is made." Oh. He goes, "This is made in Asgard. This is the, the, the most terrifying stuff for a human." And, it, and it's like it wasn't. It wasn't built for an old man. And Stanley just goes, "Neither was Omaha Beach." And it's like, "Ooh, perfect, yeah. perfect, beautiful, line. beautiful." And you know, Stan served. He he's not. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, he was. He's earned the right to say things like that. He was he was in the army. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was lovely, man. Yeah, yeah. I think the party scene in general. I remember watching the cinema. I and I, I watched it again. Obviously, it's funny. It's a it's a nice little scene. We get to see them just in a party scene. But I do feel like it is kind of a weird fan service in a way. Like the because the fans kind of want to see them in this setting. It's like okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. Because at times it's a little bit silly, like when they're trying doing the hammer pulling contest, it's like this is but, kind but of there's, what. But there's there's nothing in there's there's ver- not nothing, but there's almost nothing in that scene that that isn't necessary to the plot. Okay. So Natasha and Bruce, Natasha and Bruce has to be set up. Yeah. Okay. We have to be aware of their developing relationship because that's coming back later. Um, so you get the uh, you you get James James Rhodes um, conversation with Stark. We need to be reminded of that relationship, who he is, how he's in the team but not in the team because of what the role he's going to play later on. The mm-hmm. hammer pulling is vital, absolutely vital to the movie because of what happens later on with Vision. Okay, um, I think it's vital. The only for also for. Um, for for the for the later Avengers film because it puts the idea there and explicitly explains sure this yeah. is how Monia works yeah 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 um, and so the argument between Thor and Stark about whose girlfriend is better that I guess is not necessary yeah. but I think it's it's Whedon taking these all these really necessary elements right and dressing them as dialogue rather than as exposition and having them take place in a natural fun interactive way rather than characters walking into rooms and explaining no one can lift Mjolnir here's James Rhodes do you remember him he's war machine we won't see him again for a bit (laughs) or you know uh, what, what? You know, I just think it's a. I think it was a really. It, it probably is fan, a bit of fan service in there because we we don't see this kind of scene. It felt almost a bit like what if the shawarma scene from the end of Avengers serviced the plot and was longer. I thought it was uh, neat. Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 makes sense. Okay, okay, got me there. So. This is Ultron's origins, and as we said, as a lot of people have pointed out, uh, these aren't. This isn't correct. This is this isn't this isn't a very uh, correct adaptation. So, what are Ultron's origins? The comic books was he created by Stark and Banner? No, um, Ultron mm. was created by Hank Pym, Ooh. the original Ant Man, Michael um, Douglas, who is. Yeah, the Michael Douglas character in in the Ant-Man movies. Mm. In the comic books, Hank Pym, Ant-Man, is a major, major part of the Avengers. Mm. He's a founding member um, as Ant-Man and then later as as Giant-Man and then Goliath and then, 
yellow jacket and he is a genius level scientist and inventor and in the marvel universe it's not reed richards it's not tony stark it is hank pym who creates the world's first artificial intelligence um and this is this is like before the idea of ai was in the public minds or even a popular thing in fiction wow um, back in the back in the sixties, you know how popular is artificial intelligence kind of going to be? Um, he's originally created as like a robot helper, mm. like a like a, a a servant to help out around the lab, but very much that Hank wants him to be able to th- do independent thinking to help with experiments. Yeah, um, he quickly becomes self aware. Um, he doesn't have arms and legs to begin with. He doesn't have, you know, he's he he's not he's not built to be a person. He's built to be like, like um, not, a bit like you know the the Herbie robot. I was about in to Fantastic say Herbie, Four. yeah, Herbie from the Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he quickly becomes self aware, and unbeknownst to Hank, he begins. Redesigning himself, building his own upgrades, ah, moving into different bodies, whilst posing as a very basic computer. Um, <laughs> he's he, basic. He becomes... he's posing as a Dell laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he becomes Ultron 2, and then ah. Ultron 3, and Ultron 4. The whole time he's doing this, he's using this low level like brainwash hypnosis kind of thing to ensure that Hank doesn't spot the changes he's making to his programming or that he's building different bodies and no one else, and this is all taking part in Avengers Mansion and none of the other Avengers know about it either it's, it's, I like that aspect so that he does it himself, especially because I've been uh, watching yeah. Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is a terrible title uh, to, to say out loud. And, and, and there's the aspect of, obviously, artificial intelligence, doing stuff themselves, repairing themselves and everything. And I love that. I love that aspect that it happens behind closed doors. And it's like, oh, no, the laptop suddenly grew a bicep, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. It's the first thing I programmed my laptop to do: grow a bicep. Bicep, uh, no, not an arm, just a bicep. But yeah, uh, I, I, I love artificial intelligence. I love this kind of stuff. Um, so obviously, I was on board fully with Ultron because I'm obviously massive fan of the Terminator franchise, despite at least sixty percent of it being terrible. Uh, <laughs> Mate, it's seventy. It's seventy-five, and you know it. <laughs> Again, pulling numbers out of thin air. <laughs> but yeah, it's I'm just, okay. I'll go with seventy-five. It's it's true. Um, anyway, so stop the party. Stop the party. After the Avengers have finished their party, the team, joined by Maria Hill, James Rhodes, and geneticist Helen Cho, they hold a small contest to see who can lift more year. So. Thor's face dropping when Cap moves the hammer slightly. <laughs> perfect. Absolutely perfect, yeah. but also quite <laughs> foreshadowing. Subtle. I, I, yeah, but I didn't I don't, notice it, it until there's no way, this. There's, it, it, there's no death. You need to. There is no plan in place. There is no plan in place. Right? Okay. Whedon knows. 
what can happen in the comics. Okay. What does happen in the comics, which okay. is that Steve Rogers is able to lift Mjolnir. Okay. He is worthy. So he includes a small moment, right? Uh, but it, 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 it's very hard to know what their level of plans were for what happens towards the end of this of this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was always maybe that was marked out on a whiteboard somewhere as a cool moment they could include to a climactic fight. I would say that five years down the line, yeah. but they're not. They're not going to start to build to to it. Um, it just it it's because everyone involved knows what does happen in the comic books. So if you're all playing, if you're all got the same hymn sheet, and we're told that the level of oversight from Marvel producers is absolutely huge slash intrusive on these movies so yeah. um i can see everyone is kept on the same page so yeah but it, you, it does it does become foreshadowing after the fact doesn't it yeah so apart from cat uh obviously doing it i mean who else is worthy of more of Mournier? there's some more details of this in the two Thor episodes in the archives. Go and check those out. Thor and the Dark World. We go into it on two of them. There are a lot of imaginary stories out there, which sounds weird because in the words of Alan Moore, hmm. all stories are imaginary. Um, but there are there are... There are non-canon stories and then canon stories, right? There are yeah, things that you yeah. don't count because they take place on a parallel universe or an alternate reality or a what-if comic, and they don't really count in the regular 616, throw it up, the brap brap 616, the regular Marvel Universe. So let's do the list. We have to first discount Magneto. Oh, Technically, he has been shown to... Pick it. He can pick out the hammer up and hit you with it, but only because he's manipulating the electromagnetic spectrum. He's yeah. not worthy. He gains none of the powers. It's like a loop, a loophole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's Odin's two replacements, uh, two replacement Thors, Red Norval and Thunderstrike Eric Masterson. Um, we chat about them in the Thor episodes. Steve Rogers, we know, mm-hmm. and we go into a bit more detail in those episodes. The alien Beta Ray Bill, Ooh. and Jane Foster when she becomes Thor in a, an incredible series by Jason Aaron that we are expecting to see in Love and Thunder coming soon. Excellent. Uh, the less well-known ones. So, d- d- during a story called Axis, an inversion spell causes a whole bunch of Marvel heroes to become villainous and a whole bunch of villains to become heroic. And when that takes place, um, Thor becomes evil and Loki becomes worthy of Mjolnir. (laughs) Regular Loki, no. Under the inversion spell, yes. Mm. Um, Another another really interesting example is a a really really, wacky sci-fi... Um, Fantastic Four character called the Mad Thinker. He thinks, Will, he thinks, but he's mad. He's a mad thinker. He's just, all his thoughts, Will, proper mad. Uh, he, he He builds a robot called the Awesome Android, and the Awesome Android can absorb powers from superheroes and gain their abilities. 
And what he discovers is that when he absorbs Thor's powers, he also seems to absorb Thor's characteristics. Um, okay. Which make him into a sentient being and make him a sentient being with Thor's character, mm. which makes him worthy. Um, and so he can lift Mjolnir. Uh, he he rejects being a villain. He rejects being the mad thinker's silent, brainless android and decides to go out to the world. He renames himself Awesome Andy. <laughs> and he joins... He joins a science fiction law firm wow. that that She Hulk She Hulk is it works for, and it's part of an incredible storyline there. Um, not an incredible storyline, sorry, but just a, a really great, a really great run Dan Slott has on on Sensational She Hulk. Uh, fun thing about Awesome Andy is. That, he spends the first part of his existence as uh, uh, an insane supervillain's lackey, and then he great gains sentience and and goes out and joins the real world and gets a real job, and then after a while he decides this is too hard, <laughs> <laughs> and goes back to being a brainless lackey because it's easier than the real world. The last one, and we'll get letters about this. Will. I want to let you know we're going to get letters. They can you can you can send them to Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com. You can fire the tweets to at Marvel versus, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. It's Superman. Hmm. There is a landmark uh, comic book series called Justice League slash Avengers. It's a crossover event during which the Mad God Croner. Uh, attacks both realities and the Justice League and the Avengers initially fight and then have to team up to put it to put him down and he is only finally stopped by Superman wielding Mjolnir <laughs> and uh, he's got Mjolnir in one hand and he's got Cap Shield in the other. Wow! And he fights this mad god. A lot of people might argue that that crossover doesn't count because by and large. All crossovers between Marvel and DC mm. don't count. They're not part of canon. They're not part of regular continuity. It's like the way the They're Simpsons like a one off Family thing. Guy, but that's a technically a Family Guy episode. Sure. If if that makes it easier for you, yes. Just helping people fine. with their bingo cards at home, mate. I've got to sneak a <laughs> Simpsons reference in there. The, these, these things crop up, uh, like uh, Spider-Man, Batman, um, Superman, Muhammad Ali... Um, mm. uh, Spider-Man and the Hulk but they never really they're never mentioned again, they don't count it's not the next issue of Spider-Man he talks about, oh I met Batman that doesn't happen, they're ignored <laughs> they're just little one-off things but the JLA Avengers crossover mm. that it is canon it, there have been tons of references in both Marvel and DC that indicate this event took place in both universes Hence, Superman is worthy of Mjolnir. That is crazy. I remember reading a, a Watchmen sequel called uh, Doomsday. That had. Boo! Yep, carry on. You didn't like that, did you? It it was crazy. It's 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 made by people that fundamentally... I can't I can't do this now. But if there's any attempt to do any 
follow-up sequel or prequel to Watchmen. It is done by people that fundamentally do not understand Watchmen. And if the creator of Watchmen says there should not be (laughs) any of this going on, then you don't do it. I will argue the HBO series Watchmen was fantastic and was close to the book as possible. Why? It takes the heart of the series and it expands in a completely different way. The people that do the prequels and the sequels to Watchmen, right? They just want to take a character and make a superhero story with a character and there's going to be some killings in it and probably a rape. Right, because that's what they do. We can't do this. We can't do this. Anyone trying to emulate animal, that's what they do. We don't have time for this. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. no. I I was going to agree with you. Anyway, let's. But yes, the HBO series is is really good. The the HBO series fantastic. I. I, It was obviously because HBO. HBO can do no wrong. Anyway, the contest is interrupted when Ultron suddenly directs the Iron Legion to attack the Avengers, and an intense battle ensues. During the fight, Ultron has a chance to kill Dr. Helen Cho, but mysteriously spares her life. While most of the Iron Legion is destroyed by the Avengers, one drone manages to escape with the scepter and flees. Even though Thor destroyed Ultron's body, Ultron's AI escapes via the internet, taking all of Strucker's data with it. Now, Ultron's entrance is great. I like the ramshackle... The ramshackle robot coming in barely able to walk and i really loved yeah they did this in the trailers really well the pinocchio reference the pinocchio reference the whole thing was fantastic those trailers those atmospheric trailers Hmm. give you so much confidence in in they they're not just putting on a standard like superhero trailer Mm. action trailer it doesn't it doesn't look or feel like a fast and the furious trailer yeah. or or any kind of action movie trailer it, it, it it's different it has a dark tone a sinister tone and it it, it just get, it gave me so much confidence in going to see this film because i thought mm. wow they yeah they're doing something a bit different a bit a bit a little bit odd i i'm i i got me that you that pinocchio song got me so Oddly excited yeah. in that trailer yeah. for, for the movie, and and the re- the reference really works, man. You're right. It, it, it ties in. Also, it, they're allowed to do it because it's under Disney. There's no. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. That, that yeah. was that was. I, I thought that was like. Might as well check in a Disney reference in there. Keep the grandmasters happy. <laughs> so, was this the same as the comic books? Is is Ultron's first clash with the Avengers the same? Does it happen after a party and a hammer pulling contest, which is the worst phrasing I've ever used? Okay. Uh, okay. If you okay. haven't got your seatbelts, if you haven't got your seatbelts on, uh, it's time to clunk and click for every trip because you need to strap in for this. So. A, a group of supervillains led by the mysterious Crimson Cowl mm. uh, called the, the, the Masters of Evil. Masters of Evil. And they attack the Avengers. And when they attack the Avengers, they know all these secrets about Avengers Mansion and stuff, right? Mm. And the Crimson Cowl is unmasked and turns out to be the Avengers' faithful butler, Jarvis. 
And the Avengers are like, oh that's, oh, that's how you knew everything. That's dreadful. That's terrible. Oh, no, Jarvis has betrayed us, our manservant. <laughs> and also, he's an evil mastermind. Oof. But then the Avengers also went, actually, we've seen Jarvis and the Crimson Cowl together in the same place at the same time. So you can't be the Crimson Cowl? And Jarvis says, ah, yeah, but I use this remote control robot, Crimson uh. Cowl. Uh, to stand in for me so I could fool you. And then the Avengers are defeated. And after they're defeated, the remote control Crimson, Crimson Cowl robot takes off his Crimson Cowl and is like, Ah, suckers, I'm Ultron 5, your greatest enemy! <laughs> and the Avengers are like, Who who, 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 who the hell is Ultron 5? <laughs> and Ultron 5 is like, I'm that robot slave Ant-Man keeps in his room all the time. And also, uh, Jarvis... It isn't your enemy. I've been mind-controlling him this entire time so that I could reveal him as the mastermind, then reveal he has a robot, and then reveal I'm the mastermind. Ah! I made a one-issue story last three issues. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's how it goes in the comic books. That's, that's how he first clashes with the Avengers. It is utterly deranged. It is utterly soap opera. It is utterly three twists for no reason when one twist would have done. Um, yeah. So, the Crimson really, Cowl. People are complaining that the movie isn't ridiculous. <laughs> when they're saying it's not like the comics. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. People, people, honestly, a lot, a lot of these, uh, a lot of people that don't want to welcome movie fans or don't want to appreciate the movies, they stick their nose in the air mm. <laughs> when it comes to the source material, and they go, "Oh, it's not as good as the comic books." Well, let's have a think about that, pal, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a lot of comic books we can talk about <laughs> that are just dumb, silly, and a little bit fun, and the artwork is gorgeous. But they're written by insane people for children. <laughs> you, you don't want to adapt these. Go and have a professional writer do a better job. Go, go, do it now. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, the whole, I, I remember having an argument, not an argument, uh, to talk with someone saying all adaptations are terrible. He said by by their by their very definition, all adaptations are terrible. It's like it was, this wasn't like Sherlock Holmes wasn't meant for the screen. He's meant for a book. And I can kind of see his point, but it's like it's the same time. It's like there is an argument to that, and and the argument is generally uh, kind of maybe do something a bit more original. I mean, but you know, I think if anyone has done a good job of it, it really is the MCU in in blending mm-hmm. the positive elements from the stories that work yep. with with new sensibilities, modern cinematic storytelling. I think that that's a, a very good way of doing it because then someone who has read all the comic books like me can still be thoroughly entertained by the movies because they're not just doing. Who wants to watch a, a scene, a shot for shot, panel by panel remake? Oof. That's dull. I would not want that. Well, that, that was that was pretty much what the Watchmen was, wasn't it? <laughs> Going back onto that, <laughs> almost. But by someone that completely, s- Zack Snyder Ooh, here we go. read Watchmen. Yeah. And thought that the purpose and the point of Watchmen, which is a deconstruction of superheroes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. An exposure of how they are utterly and inherently silly, yeah. stupid, 
dumb <laughs> and cannot possibly have any worth in the real world. And Zack Snyder read that comic book, or if you ask me, he didn't. He read a Wikipedia about the comic Ooh, book. Bird. And he said, ah, you know what? Watchmen is all about cool superheroes being badass in slow motion and fighting. Yeah! That's what I took from this comic book. That's what Alan Moore intended. And that's the movie he made. And it's awful. It's a strong 6 out of 10 film. It's... It has some good moments to it, but it's... No, no. Anyway, I won't go down at Papa. I will say... it's, it's, It's... are you, are you it's saying it's being slapped in the face? It's are you terrible. saying, Rob, that director Zack Snyder is completely wi- unaware of nuance and subtlety? <laughs> I, I genuinely do not think Zack Snyder has read a comic book of any of the things that he has done. Yeah. I don't believe he's read Superman comic book. I don't believe he's read even. I don't believe he's read Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen. I think he's been sent screenshots of of some of the panels and i think he's read the wikipedia synopsis and that's that's all he's done but that's not why we're here today this episode is getting derailed we need to focus we, t- we do need to focus i'm sorry i you know me bloody love a tangent anyway so that was their first clash so back in sokovia ultron takes over the inner workings of strucker's now abandoned base and builds itself a new body. Using Strucker's data, Ultron learns about the Maximoff twins and lures them to the church in the centre of the small country. Ultron recruits the Maximoff twins, who have a vendetta against Stark because a Stark industry bomb killed their parents. Wanda had willingly allowed Stark to make off with the Scepter with hopes that his fear of letting the world die would lead him to self-destruct. So, is there any connection between... Pietro, Wanda, and Ultron in the comic books. No, not not really. Um, that's the this that's that this is one of these unique connections. Mm. One of these things of taking classic elements from around the same era and tying them together in a way that doesn't exist in the comic books. There's nothing that stands out. Certainly not from the origins of the characters. There there is sort of a connection between Wanda and Ultron later on. Through the vision, yeah, and through Ultron's madness, but not, no, not really, not a strong connection. Yeah, I, 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 I appreciate it. Again, this is this is why adaptations work in in, in films when they do inventive uh, new twists like that. But yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. No connection. So, robots are no match for Earth's mightiest. Back in New York, the team confronts Stark for creating Ultron without their knowledge. Thor scolds Tony for meddling with the Scepter, but Tony claims that they needed Ultron because no matter how good they do to the world, uh, something like the Chitauri invasion can happen again, and the world needs something as powerful as Ultron was intended to be. After Ultron kills Strucker to lure the Avengers out, he and the twins travel to South Africa to acquire vibranium from arms dealer Ulysses Claw. Is it Claw? Claw. Claw. There we go. As in Claw. Claw. Uh, I was about to say, the claw. spelling of this is Claw. Uh, yeah. Ultron uses his... Control- yeah, yeah. In the, yeah, in the comics it's K-L-A-W. That makes sense. 
I don't know yeah. why it's clow here. Because they, they, I, clue? I clow? 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 Anyway, Ultron uses his control over the internet to transfer large amounts of money to Clow Claw's uh, different accounts. Ultron is enraged when Claw compares the AI to Tony Stark and cuts off Claw's arm at the elbow while venting frustration. So, Claw, uh, Ulysses... Uh, Ulysses Brand, he's, he's recognised... Uh, they they recognised Ulysses Brand to track him down uh, as Wakandan. So that was a... No- I never spotted this originally. The, the, yeah. Yeah, they recognised... Oh, it's from uh, African... Uh, work, work, and they saw going, uh, work, work, Wakanda, Wakanda, yeah. And it was like, oh, hello. I didn't spot that, obviously, because I didn't really know much about Black Panther before I saw uh, Civil War. So I, I really, really loved... They set they they subtly set the uh, set the uh, base more that, nice they? foreshadowing yeah. yeah. Also, Andy Circus doing a great South African accent. I mean, he was just chewing scenery in a really good way. He was just yeah, he was doing what all good characters do. I, I really hope he comes back and gives us more claw. He, I, we'll get onto when we when we do Black Panther. I have so much love for it in that because he's just he 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 is a camp pantomime villain in places in that film, but it works. It works so well. Yeah, I I I I believe he's doing a South African modern Captain Hook. I think that is his. <laughs> I think that's his the inspiration he's taking. Yeah, that, that that would that would that would make sense. Also, the the the, the bits. Before he gets really angered about the Tony Stark comparison, uh, there, there was a good line. Claw says it first, and then he starts saying it. Then Ultron completes it because he knows the line is, "Oh yes, keep your friends rich and your enemies rich, and wait to find which is which." Oh, what a li- <laughs> I love that line. That was just ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I that that felt like a very Josh Whedon line where you just go like. Something simple, but very deep. Very deep. Uh, so, there's real tension and fighting in the team. Is there any of that in the comic books as well? It all it all kicks off, doesn't it? Because yeah. Stark has has um, without without authority, permission, mm. or 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 knowledge for anyone else, done something incredibly reckless he has even more um, reckless than installing BitTorrent on someone else's laptop you know something, something <laughs> evil lime wire <laughs> we remember we we talked about in the ff episode um the the, the fantastic four are, are this bickering family as a super yeah. team and how revolutionary that that was at the time that there is tons of arguing and bickering and self-interest and, and jealousy in, in the Avengers. Tons of of that good Stan Lee stuff. Um, whereas when you pick up Justice League comic of the same era, <laughs> they're all best friends. They're all virtuous heroes. They're the super they're all friends. What the cl- yeah, they really are. They're, they're what the classic... Uh, pre-war and wartime kind of superheroes were like mm. um in in the avengers in stanley's avengers there are big egos and there's a lot of competition to be recognized as a hero to prove yourself and there's there's just tons of awful human traits all the way 
through the team. Uh, and especially when Wanda, Pietro and Hawkeye join. It, 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 the comic book changes. Cap becomes desperate to prove himself as the new leader and he, he treats the others like junior soldiers barking orders insulting them telling them they should march out and leave if they've got a problem with him hawkeye keeps saying out loud i regret joining this team <laughs> now thor and iron man have left you guys are a joke why am i wasting my time with you Hawkeye is constantly cracking on to Wanda, who wants no part of it. Wanda has a massive crush on Captain America, uh, but it's the sixties and she's a woman and she's not gonna she's not liberated yet, she's not gonna do anything about it. Pietro has this massive temper issue, it's this this anger issue. He's just boiling with rage all the time, attacking anyone that looks at his sister too long. Mm. Like the book is wrought with that kind of infighting and that kind of tension it is it's 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 electric to read it's compared to its contemporaries compared to any other kind of non-marvel superhero fair going on at the time it is it really is revolutionary what stanley and his collaborators injected into all these comic books the 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 the, the, the Again, the awful human traits <laughs> that make you want to. God, Hawkeye's kind of a kind of a jerk, and you know Captain America is kind of a jerk, and uh, oh, you know that guy there, he's kind of a jerk. You know, but but they but then they do heroic things. It's brilliant. It's it's human. It's feet of clay. No one in DC Comics has feet of clay at that time, um, and and it's just really refreshing to see. Exactly. I, I, I really, I, I, again, was saying about how they, they bicker at the start of the film. I love it. I love it. I, lo- I love realistic human behaviour, no matter how unrealistic the situation might be. Uh, but with Ulysses Claw, um, is he a character from the comics as well? Yeah. Um, 1966 Fantastic Four debut. Um, around in, in, in exactly the same time that vibranium is introduced, ah. claw is introduced, a, a a ruthless mercenary who in, invades Wakanda with his cutthroats in order to steal vibranium and turn it into super weapons. And when he did this, he uh, murders Black Panther's father, the first the well the previous Black Panther um, T'Challa goes into a rage and uses one of these vibranium sound weapons they've created to destroy the mercenaries and he blows off Claw's arm his hand at the, at the wrist um, Claw then comes back for revenge with his kind of pirate army mm. but he's just vastly overpowered by Black Panther and his new buddies, the Fantastic Four. <laughs> so he desires to give himself superpowers, and it's like a Hail Mary, last chance kind of thing. He crawls inside one of these vibranium sound weapons, which destroys his body, tears him apart. Ooh. And then many issues later, several issues later, not many, he emerges... Or, or re- he he becomes a a red being 
composed entirely of solid sound. Ooh. He's no longer flesh and blood. Ooh. He's a weird, red-looking demon monster creature who looks humanoid, mm. but has in place of his hand, he has this sound blaster, ah. which he can focus all his bizarre vibranium sound power through. Oh. Uh, and he is immediately recruited by uh, the Crimson Cowl slash Jarvis slash Ultron and joins that Masters of Evil that Ultron puts together at the uh, that we talked about to, to attack the Avengers and do weird stuff with, with Jarvis. And he, he, he becomes a, a he's a long-standing Marvel villain in general. He plays a large role in the Secret War, the original Secret Wars. And he's a long-standing Black Panther bad guy. Long-standing, okay. I, yeah, obviously, because I'm not too into Marvel comics, never, never, ne- never came across him before. But it was nice to see, nice, just nice to see Andy Circus. I, 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 I that's yeah. what that's what I took away. Anyway, back to the film. Watch out, Bruce. The Avengers arrive and try to stop them, but Wanda hypnotizes Thor, Black Widow, and Captain America, giving them vivid hallucinations. Natasha remembers her training in the Red Room and the way in which she was weaponized and turned into an assassin. Steve sees himself in the 1940s in a party celebrating the end of the war where he's reunited with with Peggy Carter. And Thor envisions himself at a feast in Asgard where a blinded Hemdal blames him for their death and destruction. Wanda then hypnotizes Banner, turning him into Hulk and sending him to rampage through Johannesburg. Realising he doesn't have the firepower to stop the Hulk, Stark uses his satellite to to deploy the huge Iron Man armour. Mark, is that a Mark? Which Mark is that, would you say? I can't do Roman numerals. I would I would read it out. E- XLIV. Excellent. I would read it out. Mark excellent oh, so armor. It, uh well it's four at the end. I don't know what an L is. I think an don't know what L, an L, is, L is. L is a fifty. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, Ten fifty four? <laughs> we'll we'll say the X live. The X live. That's that's a flashy name. This armor makes Iron Man as big as the Hulk, and after crashing him through a skyscraper. Stark is able to subdue the Hulk. Uh, this, I mean, obviously, this uh, this scene, this scene was just fantastic. Um, the whole, the whole, the whole fight, the whole fight scene that happens with Stark and the Hulk. I mean, just the suit coming down and him like standing there ready to punch him was just like, oh damn, son, this is gonna get hairy. But the thing is, there's so much... Just, I mean, obviously, uh, the whole thing about sequels, especially with superhero and action things, it's always about, you know, you've got to do more, you've got to have more of this, more of that. So obviously they're going to have more destruction. So there's quite a lot of destruction here. An entire skyscraper falls down because of them. Uh, it reminded me of an article, I, I think it was a Cracked.com article, you know, like top five, because it's always list articles of them because they have no imagination. Uh, they uh, They said in this article that the Avengers cause so much property damage in their films that they are capable of totally bankrupting major world economies. It's, I know it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's annoyingly, uh, you know, living in the real world. (laughs) I, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know what the, what's the other option. What, Uh, what are they meant to do? (laughs) I like let, let the aliens invade. Oh, I don't. I don't know what the what's the answer. Sleeping gas. <laughs> yeah. I, what? 
at least for me, and I felt that this movie very much in comparison to like the Man of Steel oh, movie. God. The the whole emphasis on this movie is saving civilians yep, and yep. getting them out of something that's about to be destroyed. And Man of Steel, which had come out before, yeah. the whole movie was just he had absolute absolute disregard for, for innocent lives and it was just well yeah they're all dead now it's um, apparently it's, it's uh, even uh, uh, a cheekily quote team america in regards to man of steel it was almost 9 11 times a thousand the amount of buildings he destroyed <laughs> it was mental yeah, and through through them through yeah at least what what at least in this one it it becomes a plot point mm. it's not like they do this and then the whole world is like yay thanks for destroying my city it's like it it, it, it everything they do in this movie there are ramifications of how destructive it is yep. and it has huge knock on effects for for the for the for the narrative exactly um, and so yeah so a fan favorite moment there with Hulk fighting Iron Man. I know it's a favourite of mine, but what can you tell us about that huge armour that Stark uses? You know, Mark Exliv, as we're calling it. The Hulk Buster armour. Oh, yes. Um, as if you, you know, if you get play any of the video games or buy any of the Legos or the toys, you'll know <laughs> it, that's the name it's been given. Yeah. The Hulk Buster armour. It is a real fan favourite. It, it, it um, first cropped up in the mid-90s. Uh, it's not a when we we talked about all of Iron Man's different armor over the years. I think we did that in Iron Man, hmm, Iron Man three possibly. Mm. Um, one of his armors that came about in the nineties was the modular armor. Ah, yes, yes. And the modular, you could have all these ad- adaptions add on to it. All these all these different special modules for special occasions add it onto it so you know it could have uh, the kind of adaption to let it go underwater or go into space or um, survive extreme temperatures one of the add-ons is the the hulk buster uh armor mm. so it's not a separate armor it's an add-on to the modular set up in the 90s it does come off as that because he is as you see him he is actually still in the iron man suit as he does it so it kind of that's that's exactly it yeah he he wears the modular armor and then he climbs inside a much bigger armor and uses it like an exosuit like an exoskeleton of the actual armor he's wearing um and it's described originally as being able to go a few rounds with the hulk (laughs) it's never presented it's never presented as something that could be used long term. Yeah. It, it it takes a hell of a lot of power to operate it, mm. um, and so for a small period of time he can he can use it to battle the Hulk, stop the Hulk, or whatever. The first time he used it, and it's it's gone through very it's it's upgraded it over the years and done different things with it, uh, and sometimes they haven't worked whatsoever because the Hulk's power levels are wild and they vary and no one is able to anticipate so when you think you've built the right kind of armor for him the next time you meet him he might be much much more powerful it's hard to tell i was about to say i wanted to cut in there speaking as a software tester uh obviously this isn't software this is hardware testing how can you test something against the hulk do you just get get yeah banner i'm gonna need you to be angry between three and five p.m (laughs) <laughs> so that's when I'll have the prototype in use. And his his the, the Hulk's power grows exponentially. Like the the angrier he is, yep. the stronger he is. 
Let's try the different levels of life anger threatening. First. <laughs> yeah, the the more life threatening the situation, yeah. the more powerful the Hulk is. So you just keep you you push him, he grows. That's not a good way of building anything. Yep, that makes but sense. There you go. So back to the story. The Avengers lay low. There's a public backlash following the fight in Johannesburg, and Maria Hill advises the Avengers to lay low for a while. The team take refuge at Clint Barton's homestead, where they meet his wife Laura and children Cooper and Lilla. Is it Lilla or Leela? I'm going to say Leela. Uh, determined to learn... Sure, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> determined to learn more whatever. about his visions, Thor leaves the team and goes to the Well of Seeing, a hidden location where people could experience their dreams. Submerged in the waters, Thor witnesses images of the Tesseract, the ether, the orb, and another of the Infinity Stones, a stone inside Loki's scepter. Lastly, he sees a mysterious figure open its eyes. Back at the farm, Natasha and Bruce plan to run away and start a new life together when Ultron is defeated. There's some serious tension between Steve and Tony over Tony's decision to create Ultron without consulting the rest of them. Nick Fury arrives at the homestead and inspires the Avengers to put a plan together to stop Ultron. Banner decides that Ultron is going to try to evolve itself and concludes that it intends to use Helen Cho and her regeneration cradle to build itself a new body using vibranium. So, are we going to discuss Thor's vision later, do you think? Because there's um, a, a, Well, yeah. It, is it pointing to who you think we're pointing to? What do you think it's pointing to? Well, I'm trying to remember the vision now because I remember the stones, but I'm trying. I don't remember a, a, a figure. Is it Thanos? He doesn't know. No, no. He sees. He sees a creature opening opening his eyes. That's it. Aha! Uh-huh. Good. Keep it vague. I like. Um, back back on track with the story. Uh, what's happening though? Um, Hawkeye having a family tucked away like that was an interesting plot twist. I don't mean terribly interesting, yeah. but it was kind of like. It was a plot twist that you know you know in these films you go okay what could the plot twist be and you have your standard list of someone dies someone turns evil la 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 la, la. and then th- him having a secret family hidden away like this was a plot twist I could I, I wouldn't have predicted. I always get very nervous when Joss Whedon introduces a character that we like. Uh, yeah, because, because you just go wow that person's gonna die to motivate every oh god. Damn it, Joss, why do you... Uh, if he makes you love someone, Joss likes to kill them off. So I was concerned because it's, it's you know, it's Linda Cardellini. Uh, she means an awful lot to me. She means an awful lot to me, Will. Is it Linda? Uh, Is that the Freaks and Geeks. Ah. That's the wife, yeah. I... Uh, Freaks and Geeks, ER, mm. uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, and uh, currently in Dead to Me, Proving that she is just an incredible actress and comedic actress, but I fell in love with her in Freaks and Geeks, and then more so in ER, and then more so when she was Velma. I mean, I I, I can't, I could not have lived with my, I couldn't have watched this film if they killed her off. Which one was Freaks and Geeks again? Oh man, it's the one that launches everyone: Jason Segel and Franco. And Seth Rogen. Is that the it's one a TV where it's, series is, that they're all in? Is it, it's set in the eighties? Because I remember seeing the opening of it, and 
what I liked about it was they're talking about Bill Murray on Saturday Night Live, and then like some people are, and then another people are under the bleachers talking about Led Zeppelin and Van Halen while Van Halen. Yeah. Played, and I was like, oh, I I quite like it. This looks quite quite good. This, this, you know. It- I, I, with, with some of these things, I never know whether to recommend them because they might you might have to be seen it as a young person at a yeah, certain yeah. time when it came out. If you, watching it back now as a grown up might not be the thing to do. But anyway, yes, I love her, and I'm glad she did not die. <laughs> okay, so with Hawkeye's home life uh, like this, uh, is that a reference to the comic books? Is it anything vaguely like that? No, no. I was about to say, <laughs> not at you told all. Me, I, I wouldn't he expect has, that to be a yes. He, no, he has no no home life um, like this. Like like most of the Avengers of of the Roy Tom Roy Thomas era and beyond, Hawkeye lives in Avengers Mansion. That's that's their home. They all live in this big mansion together. They are all they see each other, you know, when they're not working, and when they're working, Hawkeye. Had a series of different girlfriends from Black Widow yep. to Wanda to Spider Woman briefly. He married a Shield agent, codenamed Mockingbird, but they didn't settle down together. She put on a mask and joined the Avengers, so there's no retirement for Hawkeye. The the closest thing that you get to see in a life away from the Avengers is in this amazing series that Matt Fraction and David Ager created, Hawkeye series, that, that showed what he did when he's not being an Avenger. It's kind of street-level, noir themes, but funny. Mm-hmm. He lives in an apartment complex uh, with bustling, odd neighbours. He gets wrapped up with the Russian mob. He gains a sort of a teenage young partner, uh, it's it's really really good series, but no, he doesn't have anything like this with a farm and two kids and a husband and all that. No, that's not his deal. Yeah, I I, I couldn't picture him like that. Not not like that. After especially after what you told me about the comic book. But then again, I couldn't picture him like that as he was in the film. But anyway, back to this 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 Hawkeye is very different, of course. This yeah. this, this Hawkeye, um, and this is the important thing. It, the Hawkeye in the MCU is based on the Ultimate Comics version of Hawkeye. And he did have he he is a an elite trained shield assassin. Yeah. That's what he's a proper black ops assassin. And he does have a home life. He has a wife and he has two kids. And it is a big twist when you meet them in the comic books because you've been kind of trained to think of this guy as just a uh, a wet works soldier assassin dude. Yeah. And then you see him in his in his he has he has a a house and he has a wife and he has two kids and then they get attacked by bad guys and they all get killed because you know that's how mark miller writes but yeah exactly so there's trouble brewing in asia meanwhile ultron pietro and wanda go to dr cho's laboratory in seoul south korea where Ultron reveals his plans to use the vibranium samples in conjunction with Cho's synthetic tissue from the regeneration cradle to create a more powerful body for himself, with the Scepter's gem as its primary power source. To ensure her cooperation, Ultron takes control of Cho's mind with the Scepter. Ultron is sometimes charming here. Like, yeah. like, like, like there was a moment where they were talking and, and he goes oh sorry for interrupting I don't want to be too pushy 
and it's like it's almost human and charming but it's almost it's like he's trying to hide his true nature like he's the devil it's that kind of edge this this might be a strange comparison okay, okay. when they brought into the new doctor who series new who as you might call it new uh, who. or just doctor who when they brought john smith in to play the master there was this real conscious effort to not just have an arch villain but to take john to smith. have the master kind of emulate was it yeah, john sims to have the master yep that's right yeah oh, to have the master emulate yeah. how the doctor had become which is self-aware and funny and charming and so the master becomes self-aware and funny and charming and there's something so much worse about that because it puts them on a, a level pegging mm. if every other villain that the doctor encounters is uh, just fundamentally arch and one-dimensional and straightforward being evil and then the master is as kind of multi-layered and multifaceted and complex as him and is able to be funny and able to be charming and able to care about somebody that makes that character more powerful Mm. emotionally and and, and narratively and and also kind of a bit more threatening and I really feel like what they did with the intent with Ultron was to make him like an evil Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. I he's see that. charming like Tony Stark. He's funny like Tony. He's got the same amount of like offhand quips, aside funny remarks, and charming moments while he's doing these powerful, dangerous things. I, I they didn't, they don't telegraph it in the movie. They don't play it up in the movie. Yeah. So perhaps the intention is not there. Perhaps I'm reading more into James Spader's portrayal than I should be. But it really nailed me as this is uh, a fully realised evil Tony Stark, um, and you know based on his his neural map. I I, I think I, I like that theory. I think, but I I think there's enough there for it to be an unofficial theory that the that even even the uh, writers would, like Josh could have gone. Ah, I'm not saying a thing, you know that kind of <laughs> that kind of yeah, wink at who the knows? camera. Who I, knows? I, uh, yeah. or, or maybe there's maybe there's something left on the cutting room floor that didn't make it in, that wasn't necessary but would have expanded a bit more on it. You you never know with these films. Speaking of cutting room floor, but I, it, would would it be worth? Mm. Oh, someone else said this. Uh, what was it? They they said go through the DVD extras. But I was, yeah. Well, we we yes, it it it, it could well be. Um, there are certainly these these mini mini kind of episodes that tie some films together, which we should take a look at mm. and put together in some form of episode in the future. But we also want to make sure that we're not excluding the. We don't want to be just for super fans. We want to make sure we're we're accessible to everyone who went to see the movie in the theater, enjoyed it, and then came away. No you gatekeeping. Know, that's, that's that's our audience. No gatekeeping. No gatekeeping. <laughs> anyway, so Doctor Cho, what can you tell us about her? Because she's pretty important here. Yes, mate, it's so weird. It's not. Do you remember <laughs> Iron Man three I with knew the assassin? Say Iron Man and, three. And, and I was like, "Where's this guy?" And he's a bizarre, bizarre, super unknown character that yeah. you use the name for yeah. for no reason. This, so. Uh, it's a great character created by 
a writer called Greg Pak during his brilliant run on the Hulk, mm. which after a period of time, the Hulk had to go away, and the Incredible Hulk series retained exactly the same writing and, and, and editorial and artist staff and exactly the same supporting characters but became the incredible Hercules because <laughs> Hulk couldn't be in the series anymore and Hercules was drafted in to kind of take up the the the, the series but during Greg Pak's run on those two comics he introduced this character called Amadeus Cho mm. um, a teenager who is the seventh smartest human being in the world Okay, and he's really spunky, really feisty, really resourceful, really smart. He became like a modern day Rick Jones character, sidekick to the Hulk. But mm. instead of just like being a wet blanket like Rick Jones was and an idiot, he's really smart and resourceful. And he moves around in the background of these two great series, and he helps the Hulk, and he stands up to Reed Richards, and he stands up to Tony Stark, and he actually puts a team of superheroes together to help the Hulk, and he does all these different things while these massive crossovers are taking place. Um, he ended up down the line, which I think is a bit reductive and a bit lazy. He's now become a gamma-powered teen version of the Hulk. I think that is a. I haven't read his stories, but I think that's a much worse thing to do with a character than have him be what he was. But anyway, his mom is called Helen, <laughs> and that's it. There's, there's no. She hasn't like. She is Helen Cho. She's not a doctor. I don't think she gets murdered right at the start of Amadeus' story. The very start of it is um, he wins this worldwide competition to do with intelligence. He wins it, um, and the whole competition, brain fight or something, has been organised by the world's sixth smartest person, who is intensely jealous of anyone smart, who anyone who might be smarter than him or coming close to being smarter than him. So he arranges this competition to find the smartest people in the world so he can kill them. <laughs> and um, it's that's how it, that's how this kid's. That's how this kid's uh, story starts, and it starts with his family being killed by, by this jealous teen prodigy smart person. Um, yeah, if you get chance to read Greg Pak's Hulk run, it's brilliant, but it it ties in an awful lot with I don't know stuff that's going on. So maybe it's it's hard to get home around that one. No. But yeah, that's his mom. But she's not she's not a scientist, so I don't know why they've used the name, but they have. Okay, I don't want to go far far too down the hole with this. Is there a scientist they could have used instead? Um, I don't know, really. I don't think there's anyone with too much of a connection to, to, to Hulk that isn't like a major... Well, it doesn't need to be connected to Hulk, does it? So I don't know why I'm thinking of that. I don't know. There's lots of different scientists you could have picked a random name of. So why you use Cho and make her a scientist? Yeah. There's dozens of different scientists they could have used for a throwaway purpose. I've no idea. That is crazy. No idea. Anyway, Ultron is becoming a real boy. As Ultron... Tra- <laughs> I, I couldn't resist putting that down. As Ultron transfers his consciousness into the synthetic body and Cho implants the scepter stone into its forehead, Wanda uses her powers to look into Ultron's mind. She discovers his plan to destroy humanity. Horrified, the twins turn against Ultron and flee. Wanda breaks Dr. Cho free from the mind control, and Cho halts the transfer of Ultron's mind into the new body. 
Ultron leaves the laboratory with the regeneration cradle and his new body. Arriving in Saul, Captain America, Black Widow and Hawkeye battle Ultron, who derails a train to slow the Avengers down. Wanda and Pietro arrive and help Captain America in rescuing passengers from the runaway train. Black Widow and Hawkeye manage to steal the regeneration cradle away from Ultron, but at the last moment, Ultron and his drones kidnap the Widow. Yeah, so this is um, this is what the last Avengers film was missing for me. Um, a big car chase. Yeah. A big car chase. I, 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 I this is a really, really, this, uh, as this one is, as this chasing is kicking in, it was really making me feel kind of that Winter Soldier vibe of those awesome chase scenes in that. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I just, uh, it, I think it, it added so much to the movie, so much pace. Obviously, it's exciting to have um, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch join uh join the heroes as well but it it did there was so much forward momentum i think an uh, um a frustrating amount of the first film felt like the avengers took forever to come together and there was quite a bit of sitting back waiting for an attack to happen <laughs> yeah and this feels like yeah go out and get them go 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 yeah, we we can build in it. This is the, again confused why people didn't like this and said it wasn't as good as the previous one. It's like this this takes what the previous one did and builds on it. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People, yeah, people are people, some people seem to be quite weirdly anti this movie. Yeah. I, I, it's absolutely, I part, especially rewatching it. I mean, I don't think I was. I think I was a little underwhelmed when it first came out. But then, upon reflection and watching it again for this, I thought it was absolutely cracking. I, really, really good fun film. I can't remember the apart from Thor two or Thor Thor one. I can't remember the last Marvel film I was seriously underwhelmed by. I it's yeah, yeah. it's it's Thor two yeah. I I, I, I am the happy with of... them all. I'm happy with I I. I I'm one of those people who's just like, oh, new Marvel film. Well, I'm probably going to see it. Probably going to enjoy it. I don't need to know. They, absolutely I enjoy him I enjoy him this, this is why we do this podcast anyway so the two sides regroup Ultron returns to Sokovia where he builds a new body out of vibranium and imprisons Black Widow in a cell at Stark Tower it's revealed that Jarvis has not been destroyed but is hiding on the internet and preventing Ultron from gaining access to nuclear launch codes Instead of destroying Ultron's perfect new body, Stark argues that they should install Jarvis inside it and create another artificial intelligence. Stark and Banner begin to load Jarvis into the body when Captain America and the twins arrive to stop him. Cap is furious that Stark has repeated the same reckless action that created Ultron and not consulted the team again. The Avengers begin fighting amongst themselves as Cat and the twins try to destroy the new body when Thor makes a sudden return and strikes the regeneration cradle with Monier, bringing the body to life with his lightning. So, I I think yeah we, we need to uh, yeah there's a lot I, to I discuss. can remember watching this I distinctly remember sat in the cinema seeing Stark do the same thing again and thinking to myself. They haven't. He's an addict, mm. and they haven't done in 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 the MCU his 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 alcoholism. Yeah, and and fair enough, fair enough. No no need really. But but this to me is him at the height of his addiction, 
at the height of his utter arrogance, right? He 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 has a compulsion. He has this um, this. It, 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 it's not just self-belief because Captain America is possessed of self-belief. It is arrogance that his plan and only his plan um, is the way to, to save the day <laughs> and that no one else no one else has an opinion that's worth listening to. And it is after creating something that has nearly destroyed the world to pick the dice up and roll them again <laughs> is insane. How did you feel about it? Do you, do you, okay, I this is this, I don't know if it's fatigue or if there's so much going on, but I think at that moment in the film, my my thoughts were we we we've got we've we've got Ultron on the loose. We've got to do anything we can to stop him. So you know, I I was okay with him doing this. I didn't really have any any, any quibbles with it. But yeah. you make a really good point. I, I, you make a really good point. This, this to me is like the 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 tipping point for Tony Stark. Um, where here and in here and in the next one, being Civil War, mm. we just start to see he. <laughs> He he needs to be kept in check. I yep. think. Yep. Um, it's almost he he's become too. It feels like he's become too powerful. We get these these kind of <laughs> these worrying overlord uh, flavors from him. You know, mm. uh, let me let me put my indestructible robot army around the world to answer to me. And <laughs> let me, you know, listen, I know the first time I tried to create artificial intelligence, I created a monster that has nearly destroyed the world. But uh, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Come on. With no possible way of stopping him this time. Let me do it again. Um, he's a gambler. He's, it was worrying. He's a, he's a gambler. He is, yeah. He's, he's addictive. I mean, he dresses like he's about to go to so Vegas that's... most of the time. So, yeah, it only, <laughs> it only suits that he's a gambler. Um, I'm going to talk about it here. Again, me being a boring tech person, um, Thor overloads the electronics using his hammer. I just thought it would have fried the circuits. It didn't. It did, but it didn't. I, I, it does. Has no, Thor ever? It didn't. Ever... Well, do you know how you know it didn't? How do you know it didn't? Because it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> because he is magic, and it didn't. That's the great. And we don't. We don't need to do anything else, do we? Is that a Deus Ex Machina? Who knows? I'm going to use that as wrongly as oh, I can. God damn you! <laughs> I think that's going to have to go on the bingo sheet. Will incorrectly uses oh. Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> it's the wrong situation. Now, it, has he ever done anything vaguely electronic before like that? Thor. I want. I want to quick ask about that. Uh, how do you mean? Like uses lightning to charge ups, charge a phone. I don't know. Start up a generator. I, uh, I think I I would imagine so. Nothing nothing springs to mind as as it like doesn't spring to mind as a major plot point any time. But I'd I'd imagine maybe yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll 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 go with it because the thing is then I'd have to go down the path of I I don't actually know anything about electronics and you know. I don't want to give it a big I am. <laughs> anyway, good point of the film. Arise Vision. The synthetic creature awakes and proves to be calm and friendly 
Thor explains that the Scepter's Gem is the Mind Stone, one of the six Infinity Stones, the most powerful objects in existence, which Thor saw in his hallucination, and its power could be advantageous against Ultron. The android states that he has no desire to destroy Ultron, but he must take the side of life, and to protect life, he would have to destroy the robot. The Avengers are unsure whether they can trust this new vision creature until he casually lifts Molnir and hands it to Thor, proving himself to be worthy. See, I um, I thought I, I thought that was one hell of a callback joke initially, but on rewatching, it's like it's the ultimate it's the ultimate proof. It's it's like that scene in the thing yeah. with the blood, and it's like this is this is how you prove you're not the thing. It's the most direct way of proving. Like, 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 like binary. It's the, it's, the, it's the quickest and most succinct way of doing it, but it is also, it is also played for, for laughs. Yeah. It's a shock moment, yeah. but it's a funny shock moment because of, of the party scene we saw earlier. See, yeah. see, I didn't really... I've seen it multiple times, and this time was the only time it sort of twigged for me, like, oh, he's proven himself to be worthy, because I was too busy giggling. Because it was, cause it was <laughs> Thor's reaction to it, and like, oh, it, he's immediately... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost for words, and it's it's a it's a really good moment that really takes you off guard. There's no lead up to that moment. He just needily picks up and hands it to him, and you're like, "Yeah." There's no other way. I mean, how else could you have him join the team? You'd have to have months of them getting to know him, Mm. and even then, you'd go, "He's probably probably an evil Ultron spy, isn't he?" Yeah, you 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 think that so you think if he achieves spent, it. Yeah, if you think you've spent that enough time with with Ultron and on the internet, you think ah, this is a ruse by Ultron. He's using him like a puppet again, like Pinocchio. Boom, boom! Oh, look at that! Swung right around there. I'm so good tonight. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, we we they played they played with a gamble and they actually got a new superhero right there. So what can you tell us about Vision? Well, we'll meet our first Avenger, not created by Stan Lee. What? Uh, which is a pretty pretty major moment in this uh, in this series. Uh, the Vision was created by Roy Thomas, um, and Stan Lee is the editor. But Thomas wanted to bring back a Golden Age alien superhero. Okay. From the nineteen thirties, called the Vision. Okay who was a timely comics character. And he wanted to have him join the Avengers, just like they did with Captain America. Mm. Stanley was against that idea as the editor, and he wanted the new character to be a Pinocchio-style robot that learns to be human. <laughs> so they, they, they compromised, and this character whose design becomes almost identical to the Golden Age Vision character, hence Vision has this long cape and in the comic books the cape has a collar that goes up really high. What, like Doctor and Strange? He has... yeah, 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 exactly yeah. like that. Um, and, and he has like a, a costume design that has like almost pants on the outside kind of <laughs> colour blocking around the, around the waist and oh, things I like that. that. I love that. Um, so, after failing to destroy the Avengers himself, Ultron decides his best bet is to plant a spy on the team to destroy them from within so he creates um this synthesoid life form his vision for the future of life Mm. and he sends it out 
to lead the Avengers into a trap. Uh, and this this robot can control its molecular density. So it can either become intangible to pass through solid objects mm. or it can become diamond hard and unbreakable. Amazing. Um, and it has a gem on its forehead, which is a solar gem. And that can turn sunlight into concentrated laser beams. So no connection to any of the Infinity Stones whatsoever. Oh, interesting. Okay. No connection to the Mind Stone. That's not a part. Not a part of of the Vision. Um, when he tries to when he when he goes to kind of like you know lead the Avengers into a trap, they basically manage to convince him that Ultron is evil, and, and Vision turns his back on his creator and joins the Avengers. Um, it's then revealed over a series of issues, and some, some of them go on for a little while with some of the revelations, that the Ultron brought the Vision back to life in a rather macabre way. Ooh. He he used the... So remember we talked uh, several times about before Marvel Comics, back when it was Timely Comics, mm. there was these superheroes around for the war. Captain America, Namor the Submariner... Um, the wizard, and uh, there was also there was also a the original version of the Human Torch, who was an android that could burst into flames. Okay. Well, the Ultron used the body of that old hero, the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, that lifeless body. He adapted it and turned it into the Vision. Um, he needed human a human brain, a human mind to bring it to life, and he stole the brainwave pattern, the mind pattern from a dead Avenger called Wonder Man, and he mm. basically combined Wonder Man's mind with the original World War Two Human Torch's body to create this new creature. And in classic Marvel fashion, that becomes this this wonderful existential kind of question that Vision is always haunted by the nature of who he really is. Is he Wonder Man because he has Wonder Man's mind? Is he the Human Torch because he has the Human Torch's body? What defines who you are? Yeah. Or is he someone entirely new because he remembers none of their lives and his memory is brand new? How, what is the self? What is the mm. what is the 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 am? Um, he becomes one of the longest serving members of the of the Avengers, and when Scarlet Witch rejoins the team, they start a relationship. He 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 kind of discovers his his humanity through this this love affair with with Wanda, and they end up having kids together, getting married and stuff. Um, it, it's at the end of the 1980s something really harrowing and horrible happens to the character that pretty much changed him forever a writer called mm. John Byrne undid all of that the vision Ooh. was destroyed his body broken down in components and had to be completely rebuilt by Hank Pym and in the rebuilding he lost all of his humanity and all of his emotions um, he has the memory, but he doesn't have any feelings. He lost all the colour. He, he he's no longer green and 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 red and yellow. He becomes this ghostly white creature, um, and he's never really been the same ever since. He's regained some emotions along the way, but it was a drastic change to what was a beloved character that had become almost fully human 
in terms of his 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 sense of self and his emotion, mm. um, and that's altered the vision ever since. Whew. Wow. Okay. Oh, do you th- do you think we'll see any of uh, any of White Vision in the MCU coming up? Uh, it's interesting. In in one division, there's some nods to other stuff. We had uh, we have Vision wearing his classic comic book costume mm. as a Halloween costume. Yeah. The bright yellow, the cape, the the collar. Uh, Wanda does the same. Yeah. So there might be a nod to it, I, I, I would, I would think. Um, but I've really no idea what to expect from from this series. I'm really starting to think that with the Disney Plus series, they're going to input a lot of things that are obviously going to tie into the MCU, and they they they're going to do, they're essentially going to do well, <laughs> well how how we do with the Patreon. Ah, but if you do this, you get more content and more fulfilment. Yeah, there could be. I, yeah. I imagine a lot of fan service in there as well. Yeah. But I think it will be made for a for a major audience. It won't. It won't be nothing but references. No one gets. Oh no, no, no! I know, I know that. But I, I, I think it's going to lead me to get. I, I'm probably going to have to go out and get a Disney Plus subscription at some point when they get all these shows out and go through them. I've already got Netflix, so I'm going to have to really consider this because I, I reckon <laughs> it's going to be something really good. I mean, the trailer for it really piqued my interest i was like "Ooh, this reminds me of bioshock and fallout games because of the 1950s vibe <laughs> yeah it looks really good yeah yeah anyway let's get let's get back to the film so back in eastern europe arriving in sokovia the avengers find that ultron has used the remaining vibranium samples and chitari anti-gravity technologies being studied in the hydra facility to build a machine that lifts a large part of the capital city into the sky. His intent is to crash it into the ground to replicate a meteor strike, causing a mass extinction event. While Banner rescues Romanov, the Avengers evacuate civilians from the city and fight Ultron's army of robots, but they are unable to evacuate everyone before the city begins to ascend. Fury and the remnants of S.H.I.E.L.D., joined by War Machine, arrive in a heli heli carrier to assist in evacuating the last few civilians. So Pietra and Wanda have joined the Avengers now, pretty much. Uh, How did they join the team in the comic books? Uh, After just 16 issues of the Avengers, Mm. um, Stan Lee decides he's going to break the team up completely. (laughs) Um, okay. Each each founding member um, has tons of stuff going on in their own comic book, and the decision was made to take every Avenger that has his own his own comic book and take them out of the Avengers, so the Avengers would only be made up of characters owned solely you know does that make sense so mm. iron man has iron man so he can't be in it thor is in thor he can't be in it okay. you know so they take them they take all of them out um and it, 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 in the storyline terms it's just they have this big fight with the masses of evil and uh, the whole team goes you know what i'm exhausted i need a break <laughs> uh, i think i'm going to leave the team and in the end it's just left to the only person left is Captain America, and he's like, I'll, "I'll do this without you." Then they they hold a press conference and put out a call for new members. In 
in the space of one issue they go from this the team goes from being popular marvel heavy hitters thor iron man giant man hulk wasp to a group that fans started to call cap's kooky quartet <laughs> cap's kooky quartet it became captain america yeah um Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Right. So their obligation that we talked about to, to Magneto is done because Magneto's off living in space with a cosmic entity. Uh, the Maximoff twins uh, spending their life on the run and laying low. They hear the Avengers are looking for new applicants. They think, oh, that will be a really good way to make up and undo our criminal past. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. They write them a letter asking for a job, <laughs> and then they get a job. Um, it, it, it's so odd. It, bear in mind that at this point, 16 issues in, Captain America has only just reappeared in the world, and he is not written as having this legendary stature that he gets later on. The rest of the team are literally villains. Hawkeye has been working for the KGB to attack Stark Industries. Wanda and, and, and Pietro are mutant terrorists that have been fighting the X-Men. Um, the, the story has everyone doubt the team. And the readers send in fan letters because they're doubting the team as well. Mm. It's a huge deal to get rid of the popular characters and replace them with villains. Um, it, 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 it's 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 mind-boggling that they did it. The, the the that issue ends with a like a a vox pop of news reporters, heroes, and villains all basically saying the same thing, saying to themselves, "Well, the Avengers have never been weaker. This will never work." That's that's the, what they're building into the story. The first issue with this new lineup of, of Cap's kooky quartet carries a blurb on the front page front cover that says without the raw power of thor iron man and giant man do these new avengers <laughs> even stand a chance uh, it is a high stakes game that stan is playing there um it really paid off but it was just taking all those characters out and putting these brand new ones in and saying you gotta go with it because that's the team now so that's that's how they join join the avengers they don't it's almost like those three, Hawkeye, Pietro, Wanda, don't join like the prestigious Avengers team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah, yeah. they don't get that. The prestige leaves and they have to start from scratch really with Captain America. <sighs> I didn't realise they wouldn't have been that well liked. That's 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 crazy. It, it was it was it was it was like whenever whenever they replaced whenever they have a new doctor yeah, yeah yeah everybody hates it and then and then down the line everyone goes oh that was my favorite and <laughs> uh, the same thing happens whenever they change the avengers lineup yeah that sounds like every time they update facebook uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so the team closes in black widow and banner now transformed into the hulk enter the fray and the team converges on the location of Ultron's device. There, they wipe out most of Ultron's drones and severely damage Ultron's primary body. In retaliation, Ultron hijacks the Avengers' Quinjet and opens fire on the bystanders. Clint rushes to protect a boy as the bullets come raining down, but before Pietro 
moves at super speed to put himself between them, sacrificing himself to shield Hawkeye and the child. In a rage, Hulk leaps into the jet and tosses Ultron to the ground, where a grieving Wanda finds and destroys him. So she destroys Ultron's vibranium body by ripping what, what appears to be the heart out. Just how powerful is Wanda? Yeah. Vague powers. Vague powers, yeah. Vague, yeah. vague, vague, vague powers. Vague she's done something powers. she's done something very similar to Ultron. She's used her hex powers to destroy a version of Ultron in the mm. past. Um sometimes it's just hexing people. And other times her powers grow to the point where she literally rewrites all of history and reality. No. It's no. it's insufferably vague, mate. Insufferable. What what do the his- does yeah. history get rewritten into something insufferably vague as well? <laughs> no, it's very specific. Um, Ooh, okay. There's a big story we we don't have time to get into. Yeah, I was about to say, um, there's a massive but, shortage of shoes in the world. That's how she changes history. Not many shoes. Shoes are a precious commodity. She wipes out all mutants. Ah. Is this the House um, of M thing we talked about? This is, af- yeah, after House of M. Mm. She makes a proclamation which is no more mutants. And the mutant population gets reduced from hundreds of thousands to 168. Um, and they become an endangered species. Yeah. And it's so powerful, it affects all alternate realities as well. <laughs> so you can't even go to a parallel universe to find mutants. Her wow. spell alters the multiverse. <laughs> She's a bad character. She's a bad character, guys. Like, define her. <laughs> oh, God. I, I kind of don't want to talk about her much more because it's just like, what's there to talk about? We can't, we can't dig further with this. It's like digging in quicksand. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's too vague. It's quicksand, too vague. Anyway, so Ultron's plan is crumbling. One of Ultron's drones deactivates the device, causing the city to begin plummeting towards the Earth and forcing the other Avengers to flee aboard the helicarrier. Meanwhile, Iron Man fires his unibeam and Thor summons a lightning strike to reflect off the vibranium core. The ensuing explosion shatters the city into rubble, which falls safely into a nearby lake. Hulk, seeking peace after the battle, gets Romanoff to safety and departs in the Quinjet. Ultron's consciousness attempts to flee in the last remaining drone, but the vision confronts him. Ultron says that killing it wouldn't make a difference, as humans are set on a path of self-destruction. Vision says he knows that, but that it is the flaws of humankind that make them graceful, and he finds it a privilege to live among them. Ultron charges at Vision, who destroys him with a blast from the Mind Stone. So you told us how he first appeared, but how big of a threat is Ultron in the comic books, does he do anything on the scale of this movie? <laughs> he, he, you mean does he does he get any further along than wearing a a crimson cowl and <laughs> pretending to be a butler? Um, he, he, he he does, yeah. Um, in Ultron Unlimited, he kills an entire country. It it's a nineteen nineties story by Kurt Busiek. 
Uh, it's really great. Uh, Ultron invades a Baltic country called mm. Slorania. Um, <laughs> and within three days, he's... What are we laughing at? It, it, it's the it's the unspecified Balt, Baltic country or whatever. It's like it's like what Dylan Moran said in a stand-up thing about him. Oh yeah, we're talking about the new 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 Europe. You know, basically countries like Vivonia, Scrivonia, and Ivonia. You know, all the <laughs> just well, your comic books have to invent new cities and countries. So I, just, I, just I, how it is. I, I just I just find the pattern, Gotham City's the not real. Metropolis isn't it's real. Hilarious, you know. Okay. So he invades this country that I won't name. I'll, do you want it to be a real place? What what real place would you like it to be? Let's go. We can make with it Estonia. Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Estonia. Okay. Estonia. He he invades Estonia, and within three days. But then we've got to talk about what he does to the Estonians. Within three days, he crushes the pathetic Estonian army. I'm sorry, everyone. This is Will's fault. <laughs> and then he murders every single person in Estonia. I didn't want to do this, everyone. Um, and, yeah, Ultron murders everyone in the country, and he, he takes oh. the country as his own, and he begins to replicate there, spawning a legion of different versions of himself. It becomes a global incident, and the Avengers are drafted into, and they really struggle to contain him. Um, that's a, uh, Ultron Limited is a really great uh, story. During the second um, Annihilation War in space, there's a... Uh, like a Borg from Star Trek style techno-organic um, virus slash creature that is assimilating everything that's alive in on every planet he can get his hands on and absorbing them into something called the Phalanx, which is a long-standing Marvel alien race. They are revealed eventually. They are techno-organic, so they're part part organs and part you know uh, space computers and they're revealed to be controlled by an old version of ultron ultron beamed his programming out into space at one point in the distant past and after bouncing around lots of satellites it eventually <laughs> found root somewhere in an alien culture and he he was reborn as space ultron and he ended up taking over an entire uh, entire alien race conquered it much more easily than he did humanity, and then sent that alien race to conquer out half the galaxy. Space um, Ultron. That's a bad day. Space Ultron. Space Ultron. Spoltron. Spoltron. And then in the in the Age of Ultron comic book series that this film is not based on, mm. he launches a massive strike on America without warning very quickly annihilates a lot of mankind, kills most of the superhumans, takes over the world. But don't worry, time travel fixes everything, so it never happened, which is just really satisfying. You know, when you get to the end of a story and it turns out it didn't matter. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. I hate those. I hate those. Um, you make Ultron with that, the way he's taking over those alien races, he sounds like the Borg. Well, that's because I, I, I said Borg. They are a Borg-like, yeah, Borg-like. race. Oh, sorry, you must called think, the Phalanx. Sorry, didn't he? He, he, he correct there. All oh, right, yeah, I, they, I, I they, else. yeah, they assimilate. I was trying to, I was trying to like say to people if you want to imagine what they're like, it's you know like the Borg from Star Trek. Oh, sorry, yeah, didn't hear you. Didn't hear you. Well, now I look stupid. Anyway, we're coming to the end. Another threat eliminated. 
the Avengers establish a new Avengers facility in upstate New York, run by Fury, Cho, Maria Hill, and Eric Selvig. Romanoff assumes Banner... Selvig! Selvig! (laughs) Get your clothes off, Selvig. (laughs) Go on, do a naked dance again. That's Stonehenge. You've soiled this monument for the rest of the country. Drunk Eric Selvig is my favourite character. <laughs> Drunk and naked and just partying and ah. That reminds me. That reminds me of one of the South Park games. One of the one of the bosses is Red Wine Andy uh, Randy Marsh because <laughs> he's got a fierce red wine drunk on and it's great. Anyway, <laughs> Drunk Eric Selvig is great. I thought this was America. Sorry. I thought this was America. I thought it was, I thought it was America. I thought it was America. <laughs> I love that so much. Anyway, back to the story. Romanoff assumes Banner is dead because the Quinjet cannot be tracked and silently mourns for him, but Fury assures her that he is likely still alive. Believing the Mind Stone is safe with Vision, Thor returns to Asgard to learn more about the Infinity Stones, while Barton and Stark also leave the team. Captain America and Black Widow assemble a new Avengers team, consisting of Scarlet Witch, Falcon, War Machine and Vision. So we see a brand new lineup of Avengers here as some of the originals leave the team. What what's that like in the comic books? How uh, how was it for you to see as a as a movie fan? Be, be, um, just because comic book fans are used to seeing this. Well, I, I I was I was reminded of my feelings when you were talking about I'm reminded of my feelings like I'm some kind of robot with a delay. <laughs> um I was well, I got reminded how I felt when you were talking about uh, when Pietro and Wanda joined the, the Avengers. Because I remember coming to the end and you see uh, Falcon, you see Falcon, you see Captain America, and you see Wanda and Vision. And it, it does feel like that kind of... I can't think of an example of another film, but it's like where, where you think, like, oh, the team's died off because, but we've got a new team with these people, and then a sequel never gets made. You well, had that vibe to it. Yeah, it's like a sequel where they don't get all the main cast to come back, so yeah. you've got the secondary characters and now the main characters. Yeah. Um, it, it does definitely have that vibe, and it is. The, the, the thing is, it's like, it's very clear that. Much like it mimics the comic book so much, the major characters are now going to go off to make their own movies, and they've got their own things to do. Mm. They've got major stories to do, so the Avengers need to stay together and not just come together once every three years, yeah. like um, like we see at the start of this. So what have you got? Well, you've got a bunch of characters who don't have their own movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the ones now that get to be the Avengers and the placeholder Avengers <laughs> until the major characters come back to really save the day. Um, what did strike me, and this might be some foreshadowing of what we're going to see in Phase 3, is just how Cap-centric that team is. Yeah. The new team... He's got a strong bond with Black Widow. We've seen that in Winter Soldier. Mm. And his new team is Scarlet Witch, who hates Tony Stark. Mm. Falcon, his good buddy. <laughs> you know, Vision, you know, War Machine, obviously, he's got Stark loyalties. Yeah. And Vision could probably go either way. But it just feels like a quite a Captain America-heavy uh, aligned team. Yeah, yeah. Which will, will come into play as we get into Phase 3. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. 
So, one last thing. In a mid-credits scene, Thanos opens a vault containing the Infinity Gauntlet. Dissatisfied with his pawn's failures, the Mad Titan dons the gauntlet, resolved to retrieve the Infinity Stones himself. That was the point where it really kicked home. It really like hammered I, home that this is going to happen. I, I got very, very excited seeing the gauntlet. Uh, uh, even you know, just I, w- I was really hoping to see a bit more of the story hmm. uh, uh, since we had it. You know, we had Thanos's first appearance in the first Avengers, so I wanted something else. And I think seeing the gauntlet, even though you knew it was going to go in this direction because the stones have been building up, yeah. but it, it it signals that we're in we're in it now. This next phase is going to be the phase where it really starts to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all coming together. Well, Will, thank you as ever for taking us through uh, that movie. Avengers: Age of Ultron was a long one. We appreciate you guiding us through the the plot, the twists, the turns on the road. What I'd love to know is is what your <laughs> Final thoughts on the movie art. What did you What did you feel when you came out of the cinema when you first saw it? Um, at the pictures, satisfied. How do you feel in reflection now? I was satisfied. It yeah. was it was it was a superhero film. It was it was the uh, what's what's the way to call it? It's 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 a group superhero film. It's a what, what, when they say when they say describe a film as a cast full of people. It's a ensemble. It's an en- yeah, it's an ensemble superhero film. It did its job. I was satisfied. I don't know where the hate comes from. I think it's a pretty solid film. I I I I thought it was so much better than I remembered it being. As I have done with some of these movies, when watching them back, and I I I was, I think the action we we talked about the choreography mm. of the action in the group fight scenes compared to the X-Men movies. The X-Men movies are turn-based fight scenes. Um, Cyclops, do your move and then stand there and don't do anything. And then Storm, do your move and then stand there and do nothing. And then the villain will attack us. And then Wolverine, use a claw. And this, like, man, you could feel the money spent on those action sequences. Yeah, um, The way the way everything was happening at the same time, but it wasn't confusing and it was all pulled together nicely. The chase scene was really good. Um, it does it does a lot, this film. I was really... There's so much going on all the time, but it didn't feel like it was too much. I, I, I enjoyed the heck like you did out of this. Um, and then one of our favourite parts of the episode... Uh, we've gone through a heck of a lot of Marvel trivia here, starting in the uh, the mid nineteen sixties and and bashing all the way forward to two thousand and thirteen with uh, the Age of Ultron story. So, what has been from this episode, Will, your favourite slice of Marvel trivia that you've learned? I'm going to do it in the uh, style of a film title: A Vagueness Called okay. Wonder. <laughs> Yeah, man. Is she a mutant? Definitely. Mm. But is she a witch? Oh, yeah, she's that as well. But how? Mutants sometimes have witch powers. I mean, that's not a thing. Yeah, but also it is. And then chaos magic. And is she going to alter reality? It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, well, that brings us then to the 
reading list section of the episode. We know an awful lot of you out there get in touch, contact, and want to know what stories and comic books and collections I recommend that you dip your toe into. Um, I've got to say, I'm going to start with a don't. I do not recommend the Age of Ultron story. Um, For new readers, it's convoluted. And for long-time readers wanting a good story, it is sadly not that. Um, If you want a really good Ultron story, I really recommend Ultron Unlimited, where he takes over a country and the Avengers have to step in there. Um, Even though the writing is older, I think the first appearance of the Vision, um, if you can find a reprint copy, there's a little story there, I think it's really worth a read. Classic Ultron is really funny in how arch and over the top he is because he's a robot (laughs) and he just has these utterly odd desires and like he's like he's he's insulted he's a robot whose ego has been bruised he's he acts like lex Luthor or like (laughs) oh they beat me Ah, you're a robot it's kind of funny Uh, and vision is really unique in the way that he's written i really believe the absolute best book for Ultron uh, and Vision history, there's an Age of Ultron prelude collection that Marvel put together right when this movie came out. It's called Age of Ultron Prelude, and it collects the two-issue story arc of the Vision's first appearance, infiltrating the Avengers and all that. It contains the um, Ultron Unlimited story arc, which inspired part of this movie that we talked about mm. Um so it's got both those in it and it also contains like this original MCU universe story which connects the winter soldier um with with the start of this movie it reveals how hydra got hold of loki's scepter it reveals how strucker created the maximoffs so that's not like marvel 616 story mm. but it's an MCU comic book story that ties two movies together um, it's really the perfect book if you want more Ultron, more Vision. And you can get it right now from our dear, dear friends at nashcomics.co.uk. G-N-A-S-H comics, nashcomics.co.uk. You can get hold of uh, that Age of Ultron prelude collection with all those good, good stories in. And don't forget, sign up for the mailing list right now at nashcomics.co.uk. And you'll got 10% off your first order. That is one hell of a deal. One I've taken advantage of already to get 10% off my Spider-Man Life Story copy. Really highly recommend you do the same. Will, where are you going to be this week on the Twitch? Plug it one more time. What's How do we find you on the Twitch? Uh, www.twitch.tv slash willpreston87. Uh, this Saturday I'm doing a stream... Uh, 12 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. I might be doing Red Dead Redemption 2, your favourite. Are you the last person alive to say www. Do you think? I think you might be. I, I really hope I am because it's so redundant. It's, uh, you, 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 thanks, thanks to advanced browsers, my, you don't need to do that. My question to you is why aren't you saying H double T P colon because slash slash? I'm not weird. <laughs> 
Uh, that's how you check out Willie P. Uh, please, please, please get in touch with us. You can uh, drop us a line, marvel versus marvel at gmail.com. You can tweet us at marvel versus for more bonus, wonderful bonus content to really get the full Marvel vs. Marvel experience, head over to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash Marvel versus Marvel. Get access to all our bonus content and support the show like you know you should. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please like rate us and subscribe and hey why not recommend us to a friend who loves marvel comics and marvel movies check us out on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel <laughs>